funny. Dude, I've been watching South Park so much lately. Have you? Oh, yeah. Dude, I fucking lost my shit on the episode where uh, Cartman gets HIV when he's oh, in the hospital. Jesus Christ. And then yeah. he goes to, oh, uh, was it Kyle's house? Because Kyle was giving him shit. Yeah, he goes to his yeah. house and he's like, yeah, motherfucker. And fucking stabs himself and drips it into his mouth. I was laughing my fucking ass. I haven't awesome. seen that shit. Oh my God. It's so funny. Was that the one where he kept going, I'm not just shit. I'm HIV positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, this is serious, dude. This is serious. Like, God damn it. That's Jesus Christ. And then when they go to get the cure with talking to a Rolex or uh, Ma- Magic Johnson. Yeah, you ever heard yeah, that joke? Yeah. What do you call Magic Johnson in a wheelchair? Rollades? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, we rolling? <laughs> what a way That's to kick it off. Sure. Now that everyone's nicely offended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, fuck that. South Park is probably the greatest show of all time. It's up there anyway. Oh, it's so good. I was just going back through. I was picking kind of random seasons, and I went back through that whole Member Berries one where uh, Garrison's first running for president. Oh, I don't know if I've ever seen those. Troll and shit, dude. Oh my god, it's so funny. Really underrated that the first time around. Shotgunning seasons because like I know I've seen a lot of the first ones. Yeah, and I just got HBO again. Yeah, so I was like, because I fucking love. Uh, Eastbound and Down. Yeah, that, that show. I I never the, got into it. Oh man, I can <laughs> watch right. that show on just repeat. I'm in the last season of it right now. I never really caught it back in the day because I was kind of like you, like yeah, yeah, I don't know, but yeah, I like Danny McBride a lot, and I'm just so fucking hungry for comedy right now. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty goddamn funny. Though. I love it. He's so his character is so ridiculous. Yeah. Well, what's yeah. the shit he's doing now? The fucking righteous gemstones, really? You guys I watching watched that, that shit? I did watch I that. Hear it's fucking hilarious but it was solid all. yeah it's uh it takes a minute to like really set it up to where you get to know all the characters right, and then right, right. like we're eastbound and down it's just like wham right out of the yeah, gate just ridiculous yeah. but we're like the righteous gemstones i felt like it took a second to finally be like okay all right i'm in it now well, they're on like yeah. their fourth season or something like that now, i think a third or fourth or something. i think it's i watched i binged it all over a weekend yeah so i think it, whatever it's Three John seasons. Goodman, right? Oh yeah, he's yeah. in there. Yep, he's uh, he's 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 the dad. Yeah. I'm just starting. I went through and watched the first like four or five episodes, and then fell off for whatever reason. So yeah. literally last night, actually, like ah shit, I'm gonna restart this. So yeah, yeah, back to the drawing board, baby. It's good shit. I remember back in the day watching um the foot fist way with danny mcbride <laughs> yeah i don't think i've ever seen that man that, they were talking about that on rogue the other day actually. oh dude and this was like shit this was a long time ago my buddy rented it and i couldn't remember what the movie was because it was like i was over at his house like yeah i rented this movie and i was like this is amazing but <laughs> it's like that danny mcbride yeah. humor where it's just super ridiculous yeah. I was like this is amazing i went to try and find it and i was like what the fuck is this movie and then I landed on Eastbound and Down. I'm like, oh my god, that just like. He's a funny cat, man. Uh, yeah. Have you ever seen This Is the End with no. like Seth Rogen and everybody and Danny yeah. Bryan? Oh, yeah. as like themselves. there's a hole that yeah, yeah. It's okay. like an apocalypse yeah. type thing. I never, whole I've never Danny seen Danny McBride, it. dude. It's fucking funny, yeah. man. It's really good. Oh shit! Soundboard, <laughs> 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 hey, soundboard. Yep. <laughs> 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 we don't wear the headphones. We don't get all the fucking. U
I know. Fun yeah, fucking that's, that's uh, soundboard shit. So it's like morning radio. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's getting pretty painful. We got to redo it. We got like a whole list of new shit that we got to get on the board. But you got to get some fart stamps on there. There's a few faint signs of life. Just the classics. Just playing the hits. Just playing the hits, baby. Oh man, that's good. That's real good. All right. Yeah, so anyway. What the hell is that? <laughs> is that most it's mostly of crusty material? Oh, crusty. Yeah, ample, ample Simpsons. I Simpsons fucking material. love the Simpsons. I was just talking about that the other day where, like, the episode where uh, the crayon gets pulled out of his brain and he gets smart. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See, I don't know that episode. What the fuck? Oh, oh yeah, man. And then he who? goes back to be stupid again. And they push the crayon in, like, further. There we go. D- yeah, Homer's got like I forget the whole setup, but like he's got a crayon in his brain or something yep, that they that's discover. Hilarious, man. And then they remove it and he becomes like a super genius. And he's like <laughs> it's like him and Lisa the whole right. episode. They just like, vibes oh, all the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, and then I don't know, something yeah. happened where they had to make him stupid again for some reason. That must be a later episode or something. I don't, really catch that. I don't even know. There's so many seasons. Did you fucking watch a lot of Simpsons growing up and shit? You know what's funny? So, like, I grew up, my dad was a pastor, so it was like, I wasn't allowed to watch The yeah, Simpsons yeah. until high school and then like there was a simpsons on at five and then five thirty yeah, yeah. and then we watch them <laughs> back yeah. to back right. and then then that's when i was allowed to watch the simpsons so it's like that whole like growing up is like we were super sheltered right and then it's kind of funny because like what then once i got into the real world i was like <laughs> like an amish person on a rum and then yeah. I had my few wild years, and then I mellowed out a little bit once I got out of my system. But, right, 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 right. But yeah, it's funny. But now, like, with, with my kids, it's like the exact opposite. They know everything about everything, it yeah. seems like. They ask your immersion therapy. They, going but they're the, the most chill kids. Yeah, like, they do yeah. really well in school. Like, your kids yeah. are so great. We're like, well, we talk to them. Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Have a conversation. Like, if shit's weird, it's like, hey, what's going on? Well, I don't live this and this. I was like, well, let's figure it out, you yeah. know? I just think that's more valuable yeah. to be able to have a good line of communication. Because I remember as a kid being afraid to talk to my mom and dad about stuff. Yeah. yeah. But where it's like, if you guys want to talk about something, like where my son goes, hey, dad, what? what's masturbation? I was like, <laughs> I, was like I got you. <laughs> Daddy's a little bit of an expert in this. Years of field work on I have no lines on my hand. <laughs> you see Man, that? Especially like nowadays, you with phones all the and, shit. and yeah, info I mean, coming in like he, dude, I, would, I don't have kids but anything. i gotta yeah. imagine that's super fucking important dude, otherwise constant stimulation from, yeah mm-hmm. outside world jesus dude. dude it's nuts and then like to hear what's crazy is like to connect with your kids because like when you're in your house like you're in this little it's your world and then you start seeing how other houses are and they're like oh damn these kids are like wild yeah. dude there's some kids in my in my son's grade i'm like Dude, they're out of their fucking minds because they'll be on like a like a Facebook like messenger group call and you'll hear some of the shit going on and be like, damn, what's going on in their house? <laughs> right, like, right, right. And then like I'll come to the living room saying some super ridiculous shit. And then Tara's like, the kids are on a call. I was like, all right, so anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Is that awesome. mine on the bottom that's loud as fuck? Oh yeah, it don't matter. You're good. Uh, woo! <laughs> <laughs> Clip game, baby. I saw some shit that was like 
You remember when you were a kid and everybody's house smelled weird except for yours? Yeah. <laughs> You'd like go over to your buddies and be like, this house smells weird. Dude, it's so true. Or like, because we didn't have pets growing up. So when I go to friends' houses that had pets, yeah, yeah. it was like that, that like dogs, it's like that Yo, smell. Yeah. You're like, dogs, oh, dogs, what the bad. fuck? Yeah. Yeah. You so smell not, cats in here? I don't, because, but I have cats too. Okay, yeah. So maybe it's like... Because we've been fucking fighting the whole goddamn issue in here with my cats fucking peeing, and I know one of them's peed right below me where yeah. I am, you know, and uh, it's been a goddamn nightmare. Fuckers. I, I love them. I may not had an accident down here last year. Yeah, indeed, <laughs> indeed. Pretend blamed it on the cat. <laughs> Damn it, man. Oscar, you bastard. Yeah. I had to throw away my fucking classic drum rug that I've had forever oh, because man. they fucking, so it's not there. And then I had the rug under my desk over there that I was showing you. And yeah. that was brand new that I bought for this room. You know, it was like $200 rug. It was yeah. pretty nice, you know? Yeah. And uh, not only that, but it was like fucking impossible to get out of there with my desk and everything sitting on it. It was oh. like, Dude. whole goddamn operation fucking unplugging everything moving all the guitars you know fucking getting it out of there and yeah just to yeah. throw it away i'm that like rug really it, tied it really together, did too. though for real so yeah i'm this like well i'm not buying dope. it yeah this rug's fucking dope as hell we yeah obviously for the fucking podcast lounge we went all in on the 70s vibe i love it yeah. i love it <laughs> i've got a couple uh old pieces of furniture in my control room that are i got from a farmhouse like i live in the country yeah and so a couple roads over they're like oh we're getting rid of this couch and chair and i was like it was in my garage at first we have a pole barn we had them out there and then i moved my studio to my house and i was like oh these would be fucking dope in here right, and yeah. so i moved them in i'm like and they're some of the most comfortable pieces of furniture nice they're nice. so good i love yeah. them i'm sort of debating now usually i got the guitar racks in there against the wall right here and i'm kind of debating like maybe i put a little couch or something here instead and yeah i don't know it's usually just me you know but like when you do have other people it's like it is nice to have like some spots you know yeah you can chill oh yeah, yeah. Take some, uh, take some butts. Where are you in Grand Rapids here? No, I'm in Montague. Okay, okay. Yep. So I'm about an hour away from here. Yeah. Damn. You drove out. Thanks, man. I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're from Muskegon originally. Oh, right so, now we're about yeah. uh, Fruitport. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So Do you I know, know uh, Jeremy McClary? Uh, uh-uh, I don't think so. He's uh, I thought he was from Fruitport. Maybe he's an he, Oak Ridge guy. Do you know? Yeah, he might be. There's a lot of guys out there that I yeah. should know and don't, you know, anymore. From is he in the metal scene out there? Or yeah, he's like in the band uh, Pain Divine. Okay. There's like yeah, those there's a group of guys that live in the Fruitport area. Um, then like I feel like Fruitport had a lot of um, like Midwest emo bands out yeah, of there. Yeah, um, that's what we grew up playing. I mean, I was doing that shit when I was you know whatever thirteen, fourteen, all the way up through. You I got gotcha. you. You know, I had an older brother, and that was that was so their whole scene. So I was like kind of adjacent to that you know Tight, yeah. <laughs> the younger brother kind of like playing weezer songs and shit you know <laughs> oh yeah dude it's some good shit like yeah. like lately it's funny where like my brother and i um have always been connected musically and like growing up like i never really like went looking for music like when i started playing guitar um like i was listening to the beatles because like shit my dad would listen yeah. to and it's just like oh this yeah. is kind of cool this is kind of cool and then i remember like my brother showed me sis move it down mm-hmm. and then he showed me tool and then he showed yeah. me mud vein where it's right. like he would go find all the music be like dude check this out right. check yeah, this yeah, i was yeah. like i remember the first time i heard mishuga 
Um, I used to live in the Thumb, which is super rural. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My okay. uh, dad's family's from out there. Where at? Right is that Alpena? Uh, Harbor kind of Beach. Shit? and then Harbor move, Beach. Then moved to Port Hope after that. I yeah. lived in Port Hope. No shit. My dad oh, was nice. a pastor in Port Hope. I graduated nice. from okay. Port Hope with five people in my class. Okay. <laughs> I can't believe you know Port Hope. That's, That's where I'm awesome. from. I lived in Port Hope. I almost guarantee my grandpa was at that church. I can't imagine there were a whole hell of a mile. No, what's That's your last crazy. name? What's, uh, what's Shave. Shave. Yup. That's a big name Why? Is there, oh, yeah. oh yeah. yeah what's your grandpa's kind of name a big deal in the thumb <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm not You're saying huge. i'm just saying uh <laughs> poor home <man. laughs> what's your what's your grandpa's name uh leroy he he just passed away about a year or so ago leroy give or take, shave. Yeah. Yeah. that's a fucking dad. good name dude it's a good solid yeah. name, right yeah. leroy dude. man yeah yeah some straight up thumb <laughs> name for sure it's a good dude shit. Good so shit. Leroy shave. so i was living in the thumb in port hope and um Got super stoned with my buddies. Got dropped off. My brother's like, dude, check this song out. And he plays the song I by Mashuga. And then I was just like, yeah, Mashuga's changed yeah, some lives. I'm like, holy <laughs> shit. Like, I never, I'd never heard anything like yeah. that before. I was fucking, like, at that point, I was 18, 19 years yeah, old. I'd yeah. never heard music like that before. Yeah. And then I was just like, when is this thing going to fucking drop? And there's that, when he finally, like, kisses the hi hat and then the kicks in, you're like, yeah, it was it was tight. Oh. Mashuga's a dominant, dominant force, dude. They're Especially p- soaking that in for here. the first time. I can't dude, even imagine. Yeah, coming so, up, Mishuga. man. Yeah. This is some sugar. I remember when I was when I lived in Austin, my brother's like, um, we wanted to go see Baroness. They were in town. So like, yeah. you know, Baroness, their first two records are my favorite. Then I kind of lost interest after that. I've but seen like, those dudes like six times. I saw them with... <laughs> All original except for the bass player. Yeah. Because their original drummer was my favorite. Okay. Um, I'm not super hip on their records or nothing. They weren't ever mine. Blue Record, hands down, is my favorite. Okay, yeah. Um, And so we went, and Meshuga was the headliner. It was some opening band that was on tour with them. Then Baroness, then Meshuga. Baroness fucking blew me away. But then Meshuga, like we watched about four songs, you're like, okay, these guys are fucking flawless, cool. And I was just bored. And I was like, yeah, let's just go. I'm not a big guy. I'm not a big concert guy. Honestly, oh, really? you know, yeah. it's just like it's like you know playing music. It's just like I feel like I'm going to work. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like it's just like that that the mystique is lost. Where it's like I like going to see bands. I have no connection or interest in genre wise. Uh, you know, then it holds your interest or something. Yeah, I was just like, yeah. oh, this is something new. This right, is something out right. of my scope. Where like I would like if my wife was like, I want to go see this artist, and then I'd be like. I'm fucking down. And then I go see him. I was like, oh, that's actually really fucking tight. Right, yeah. That's you know? the biggest bonus, man, when you're going to see some band. Like, oh, there's XYZ opening act. And they get yeah. up and it's like, holy shit, these guys are whale. You know, there's yeah. a handful of bands that came across that way. For yeah, sure. For sure. It's just, it's the first time I saw Ghost was that. Ghost was uh, one of those. Thrice way back in the day. We saw Thrice open for Death Show. I remember Deer and I mean, Hunter. They were kind of hard. Yeah, Deer Hunter. Uh, yeah, they were. Um, man, I've seen uh, fucking... Meshuggah probably five or six times too because they were opening for Tool for like two years straight. Oh yeah, and so like and I was catching all them Tool shows, so I was like yeah. catching those Meshuggah shows by proxy, and yeah, That's it was sick. fucking Meshuggah lives a lot to hand, in yeah. the best possible way. Yeah, they're, like, they're, they are fucking flawless. Yeah. yeah, they're like just like the musicianship in that band is just yeah outstanding. That drummer. Is dude, that Thomas Hawk or yeah. something like that, however you say it? Dude, it's yeah, so good. I remember sick. like after we watched them play, I was like, all right, I got to know about their rig. And so I went deep diving on the internet, and then yeah. I remember the, um, what's the main dude? 
Fred, for one of them's Frederick. Yeah, something. that guy. Yeah, and and it, there's a note like he was talking about. He's just like, well, when you've been as, touring as long as we have, you kind of figure it out. Yeah, I was like, yeah, because their tones are fucking perfect. I remember we like when I go to a show, I usually position myself by like the sound booth yeah, because yeah, it's like that's what, sound the best. That's, 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 uh-huh. You know, and the guy just had like the most stripped down mixer, and this was like. I don't know. Maybe it was digital, but it was like he had, it looked like he had six faders and he was just this old dude. And he just like, <laughs> and he was just crushed. And I was like, dude, this sound is perfect. Yeah. I was like, you're so good at this. I like my metal. Like I like my women, Swedish and heavy. My spin on that joke is slow and heavy. <laughs> my wife doesn't care for that joke. <laughs> Well, I remember back in the day uh, when Meshuggah kind of innovated the eight-string guitar. Yeah. And uh, I used to be a big Guitar World subscriber, and uh, I recently lost my subscription like an idiot. But uh, uh, they were in there quite a bit and because uh, they were seven-string for a long time. And then, yeah. like, I forget, it might have been on, like, the... This is like Ob, what's that album? Obzen, Ob, Obzen, yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. I think maybe it was right there, right around there. They uh, they switched to the eight strings, and they were like, didn't really. They were like, we don't know if we're even gonna like have bass anymore. And like the bassist was kind of like, oh, you know, <laughs> guys, like, what the fuck's going actually, uh, you know, I think uh, the bass is a pretty critical <laughs> component to what we're trying to do here. If I do say so myself, dude, their latest record. The production on it is so good. Like the bass is up in the mix. Yeah. And I remember listening to it in my studio space. And like, I love like, okay, if I like something sober, then I like listen to it stoned. Yeah. Then I'll put it on stone. And I was just like, holy shit. Yeah. Like, cause it was just like, it was up and it just made it sound so heavy. I can't, the news. Immutable, sure I think is the either. record. Yeah. I haven't listened to it yet. Oh, that right there, like, like Meshuggah, like every Meshuggah record sounds like Meshuggah, but like Immutable, like the riffs on that record are just like, oh, fuck yeah. They're yeah. just heavy as shit. Yeah. Yeah. I got to say, like, I know the ripping on the bass player things, the token joke all the time. Bass is probably my favorite oh, yeah. instrument. It's, and like, I'm a huge, huge yeah, fan. Yeah. I always say I think I was meant to be a bass shit. player. Yeah. Cause your band's only as good as your bass player. You always joke too. It's like your guitar tone's only as good as your bass tone. Too. Dude, it's, <laughs> you know, like, seriously, uh, like my yeah. guitar tone, like being a two man thing. It's just like my bass tone is integral yeah. to the way my guitar sounds. Yeah, and like that's the biggest thing. Like too is like in the studio, is is I feel like bass is on some bands, um, the 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 overlooked instruments. Is like oh now we got to track bass. I was like. You gotta nail it because like yeah. that's gonna set up either timing, dynamic energy, yeah. string attack, all that stuff plays a big mm-hmm. role. And I can't tell you, little little studio secret here, if a band doesn't nail the bass part, I'll learn the bass part and track it myself. Yeah, and then yeah. I'll put it in and be like, right, yeah. You want this to sound uh, good? It's just like yeah. you overlooked the bass and just were like, Oh, we yeah. gotta track bass. And I was like, Well, Mm-hmm. Bass makes guitar sound heavy, yeah, so we got. Exactly. Yep, yep. It's a big. Why isn't this heavy enough? Well, it's because your bass sucks. It's like I can't yeah, bring like, it up uh-huh. because it's all over, and yeah. then it's just like, and like there's only so much you can do between like you know sliding and matching transients to yeah. you know kick hits, and yeah. then just like the way you attack the string is a yeah. big piece. Yeah. And there's so many so many elements that go into that. Where I'm just like, oh man. Who are your uh, Who are your bass guys? Like who are the guys you really dig bass with? Oh man! Well, I will say this. Um, a long time ago, I did a, a hip hop thing with my buddy Dane. Do you guys know the band If He Dies, He Dies? Yeah, I know the band. But yeah. So, um, 
I've got my cousin Tom was the original guitar player for that band, or not original. So it was like B Man, Tom, Dane, and Ephraim. And so when I moved over here, I got to know those guys and became really good friends with them. Eventually, I took Tom's place in the band. Dane and I became really good friends. We were doing a hip hop record. Then he and I ended up starting this band called Dwani the Doctor Trio, where I played bass and he did vocals. And I was like, hype man. And for me to get my bass chops up, I tried to learn Super Tramp songs yeah. because I love Super yes, Tramp. Yes, yes. And, then, and then when I was like trying to learn these Super Tramp songs, I was like, this bass player is fucking unreal. Yeah. Unreal. Just the way like he moves is like my instincts of like where to move to a note or how to do things. I was like, holy shit. And that blew my mind. Um, Super Tramp dominates at an unreasonable. I, I fucking yeah, love those crazy guys. Good. <laughs> Me so too. That was a band I grew up on. My dad was like Super yeah. Tramp and Roger Hodson. My dad had his solo records. And so I was like, oh my God. So it's like, I fucking love Super Tramp. Um, I love like, like Ohm, like Al Cisnero, the bass player from Sleep. I don't know. No, that. He has a two man band called uh, Ohm. It's kind of um, I think I've like meditative to, kind of yeah, music. Yeah, I think I listened to that record on Apple Music or something like. There, that. one conference of the birds is my one of my favorites. When I used to exercise, I used to run to that record because the pace of it was very uh, yeah. conducive to having right, a good right. run. And then it would kick in and give me like a burst. I was like, I'm doing it, baby. <laughs> Um, Some David Goggins shit yeah. going on. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to carry the ball? <laughs> oh, there we go. I can get this right in the spot. Yeah, I cranked that fucker down. Oh, cranker hardly knew her. Down. Oh, man. Bass players. Oh, there's so many. I mean, like, being a Tool fan, I love Justin Chancellor. Yeah. Um, do you like, uh, do you normally play or do you like, uh, we're having this debate, like, playing with a pick versus playing with your fingers? Like, I like playing with a pick and hearing playing with a pick on records and shit. Yeah. I just feel like it's more consistent. And shit. For you be bass really, or... For bass, for yeah. B- like, depends on the player. It depends on the player. Like, you gotta be, like, really fucking good if you're playing with your fingers. And, like, a lot of these guys are, like, not that good and, like, you know, but they're, like, insistent on playing with their fingers, yeah. you know, kind of the thing. Cool and it's just kind of like, all right. playing with the fingers, though, did it look so dope? Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a finger player, but then, like, I've also, like, pushed myself to make sure that I'm very consistent. Yeah, yeah. Where if a band's not cut, I'm going to be like, all right, I know you're a finger player. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> have you ever just considered just playing with a pick? <laughs> it's almost like the, the uh, oh, what's what I'm looking for? Like the slap in the face to a bass player. like, come on, man. But like there's a band that um, I just did their second record. Um, this band called Arsum from in uh, Valparaiso. And uh, the bass player, nicknamed Puma, is a finger player. And is really fucking solid. Towards like on the last record, I, I I struggled with pocketing his tone throughout the record, but it was like they're a very loud, heavy band. They're very icy yeah. and like like super pretty, then super dense material. Yeah. And he used to run two distorted cabs. And the way I like to track guitars, I like to have a nice clean yeah. cab, and I like to have a dirty cab, and then yeah. blend them together. So right. it's like we tracked two dirty cabs, and it was I just struggled too for much. days yeah. to try and like yeah. pocket the sound. I even pulled a DI just in case I wanted to throw an amp sim mm-hmm. on there to get a clean sound. Even that, it just never fit. But like on this this current record that we just did two weekends ago. I was like, I need a clean amp. I need a dirty amp. Yeah. So it's like he runs a orange eighty two hundred and then a meat smoke from Varellin. So he used the meat smoke for dirt and then the um, eighty two hundred for clean. And we were able to get it. But like since our last session, I was like, 
dude add a compressor to your pedal board yeah and he's like hey man he's like tell me if i got this set up right and i was like listen to i was like everything sounds super balanced i was like i was like you got it right because i mean like that's the i think i feel like that's super important for like bass sometimes like when you're a finger player like once you get up in the in the fret especially on the low string like that intensity of the note will start popping out like once you get to this like seventh fret you know it gets louder if you don't move to the second string up but it helps balance that tonally out to where it doesn't like jump out and then it helps keep that glued across the board but like his bass tone on this record's fucking titties so good i've got an ignorant question i've been curious about for a bit so okay bass wise in terms of what you like air quotes can play how different is that pick versus fingers right like are you able to do more finger wise or is it the same with a pick and it's like six of one half dozen of the other you know what i mean kind of sort of like i mean if you're like amazing it can play with three fingers like you can do a bunch of crazy fast shit um like well to give you an example we just the dude from isd was just here and there was like a super fast uh 16th note part that he kind of couldn't do with his fingers so we gave him a pick and he could just do it with a pick real quick okay so like but it's more like um it's just like a kind of different consistency in the tone or just like a feel like you get i mean the kind of the whole point of a pick is that it gives you like a consistent attack sharper it's a sharper attack yeah more percussive sounding Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, where the fingers has like it's like it's um muted on the front end of the transient yeah and then if they're playing like uh and he was uh i mean he's a really good bass player but he was playing for me a little too hard too a lot of guys when they're playing with fingers like they need to play way too hard like they're really fine i'm like no 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 you're just getting a bunch of slap and noise i can't even like hear the note you know what I mean? So it's like, you, if you're playing with your fingers, you really got to have control. And, and my like, last really girlfriend had a lot of the same complaints Indeed. about the So she had, had to use a pick. <laughs> hey, whatever works. She's whatever like, works. Can, can you use a pick, please? <laughs> That's so much better. What, what? How thick is that pick? I like that. Using the jazz mm-hmm. ones that are really yeah. thick. Is that a Tortec? The orange? Oh, it's a brass one. I like that. That's nice. <laughs> it seems like most of my favorite basses, I was thinking about it, though, are play with picks. A lot of, a lot of them. You know, yeah. Justin Chancellor, obviously I'm a huge Tool fan. Um, the dude from Queensryche, I think he's fucking amazing. He plays with a pick. There's a, it's something about that tone too that I just kind of just works that for me. That bite, you know? yeah, yeah, it's clutch. Yeah, you know, I don't know, man. Like, I've like that's a tricky question. Like, where like when people ask you like, who's your favorite of this? I was like, I've never really like latched on. Where it's like there's artists, I guess that's changed recently. Like like growing up, like the the person that like influenced me the most on guitar was like the like the band Creed. Like that band blew my Tremonti. mind. Tremonti, Tremonti, yeah. dude. Like when I first heard the song Higher, I was like, he's playing a melody and a bass line at the same time. That was just like, which was perfect because I'm like have been a two man band guy since 2003. Have and, you heard Tremonti's solo records? That's no, just, they're just called Tremonti. I should check those out. Bro. That guy's dude, insane. Dude, the Tremonti shit, because he, you know, he's got Creed, which is on and off, whatever, and then Alter Bridge, which yep. has kind of been his main thing for a minute now, uh, which is kind of like Creed 2.0. It's still radio rock, whatever. Yeah. The Tremonti shit is the super metal shit that he can't play in those bands because it's oh. too metal. And he's like a serious fucking like thrash metal enthusiast. And he also sings. And in my opinion, he's a better singer than the singers in his other bands. Really? And he's playing this crazy awesome. It's still like great arrangements, tight songs, uh, but it's way more metal. 
And I threw, well, again, in Guitar World, he just put out his third record is maybe a year or two ago now or whatever. And I'm like, all right, I'll check it out. They're talking about it. You know, the glory today. You can just throw something on and listen to it. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, this fucking owns. So I highly I'm recommend gonna, you check out the latest Tremonti record. It's fucking good. I'm pulling it over and I was like, yeah. who did thunk it? That's why. Dude, dude, it, it fucking owns, man. Like thrash, yeah. Man. That's crazy. Yeah. Because it's like... There it is, Tremonti. Yep. And it's like, deep, you know, he's tuned down a little further. He was talking about that in the article, you know, getting some different PRSs set up and shit. For, All right, I'm going to yeah. listen to it on the way home. Yeah, man. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I will not see you wrong. It fucking rocks. I'm, I'm stoked because, like, mm-hmm. he's an incredible, incredible guitar player. Yeah. And then, like, like recently, the the art, the dude I've last on to, so, like, um, when I started playing with Paul and Tiny Tree, like, he's about 10 years older than I am. So it's like what he grew up on and what I grew up on are like different. And so I think that's one of the things that has made us fun to work together. And one of the bands he introduced me to is a band called Shiner. Oh yeah. And oh, so, I know all about Shiner. Okay. So then, <laughs> yeah. so I was like, so then I learned about Shiner. I'm like, holy fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And then I got into life and times and no, I, I was like, them, Oh my God. So Alan Appley, the singer from Shiner is the singer guitar player okay. for life okay. and times. I didn't and really then, follow Shiner after they, you know, whatever. I think oh, they were getting, doing a reunion here. We played with them at the pyramid scheme nice. two years ago. Oh, hell yeah. And it, I was so pissed. I couldn't make the sound check because the job I was working at the time, I was getting up at like two 30 in the morning. So I was oh, just geez. like, just like I want to sleep, yeah. so it's like we played our set, lowered the trailer up, then I bounced. But their sound check like blew my mind. But Alan Apley, the guitar player from that band, the singer, it's like he, he can do no wrong. Like that's the first time I've like really attached myself to an artist. Where I was like, I yeah. genuinely admire everything that this person does. Right, right. But it's like I love the Shiner catalog. I love the Life and Times catalog. Like. That to me is just like, oh, here is a fucking band that embodies everything that I love. Right. Yeah, I can see that. And my brother was a huge Shiner fan. Dude. Saw those dudes a bunch of times. He always talked about back in the day, they'd go see him and they had this crazy light show where they just had a single spotlight on each guy. And it would just like turn on and off, like depending on who's playing or something. And it was he was like, it was just the simplest kind of dumbest fucking light show, but it just like was perfect. So just how simple oh. it was. I thought that was sometimes cool. less is more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Shiner's like, very much that do its thing. Yeah. Yeah. Shiner said, did you ever hear no knife? Yes. Ask, ask Paul. I'm sure if he's into Shiner, he knows no knife. <laughs> I've been listening to a lot of, uh, you're the rabbit lately. Yeah. 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 I was big. Yeah. We're huge so failure fans. Yeah. Dude. So good. And then here's another uh, band for you. Ever heard of the band black foxes? No, they have one record that like when I got my Spotify wrapped, <laughs> that was on there. It was like you listen to Black Foxes right, and right. Israel Nash. I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> but dude, they have one record. Um, God, what the fuck is it called? It's got like a kid on the cover, and it's so fucking good. The production on it's incredible. I love the way everything sounds nice. on it, and then like the songs out. are so fucking good. What kind good. of stuff is it? It's kind of like. Maybe in the same vein as like Shiner, right, Life right. and Times. It's like that alt rock, yeah. I guess you could call it. Yeah. Okay. Um, the dude can sing like a motherfucker. Um, it happened when I was like, the thing I love about Spotify is like, let's say you listen to an artist and then it goes into radio yeah. after you finish a record. Yeah, and then you. like, yeah. I'll be working on stuff and I'll be yeah. listening to the record. The record finishes. And I was like, 
what, and like, oh, what's this? What and then I if I hear a song, yeah. then I go to that artist's record yeah. and I listen to the record to see if it grabs me. Yeah. Yeah, and that cool. was one of those bands where I was like, right, right. oh, who's this? I got a few of those, too. I was just looking through my iTunes library, and there was some. I was like, what is this again? I'm like, oh, yeah, I found those guys from listening to these guys, and I saved it because yeah. I wanted to know what the fuck it was. Yup. Dude, that's I've learned about so much music yeah. that way. That's how I found about Year of the Rabbit. Like, I didn't even know it was a band. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, this is fucking dope. I got to break that shit out again. I yeah, they did that one that record. that one album, dude. That shit was great. The one with the rabbit foot on it, the yeah. red one. Oh, yeah. dude, that record is yeah, flawless. It's a banger, dude. They only so did good. that one record, and then they got fucking dropped or whatever. I mean, like the, the whole thing was like failure broke up. And then they did, they were kind of putting this thing together and they had like, it was on Electra Records, I think maybe it was like, they had some like, like major label backing and then oh, like, no shit. it just kind of like didn't go anywhere. You know, it was like bad timing too. Cause it was, well, that's what we were just talking about with AJ. It was like right at the time when rock just kind of fucking died and everybody's money went into fucking pop stars and shit. So oh, like, yeah. they just cut every like middling act, you know, off of every label and everything. But yeah, that was a fucking really good record. Though. I remember being really roasted one time, and it was like kind of when I first discovered that album. I think I was going off to you and Skoke, possibly, and yeah. I was like, these guys might be sweeter than Failure. Well, <laughs> like I mean, really it's, yeah, I mean, it's a little more now, like radio it's, friendly. It's, it's a little more rock, awesome. you know, and the production on that fucking Year the Rabbit. I mean, Ken Andrews is a fucking... Dude, the, the record sounds incredible. I love mm. the way, like, just the way he pockets... You know, it's like you're an audio guy. It's like you get hung up on things. Like I love the way he lands the kick. I love yeah. the way he lands the snare. Like where he puts the bass in the mix. I'm like, check some boxes for like my personal taste. I was yeah. like, oh, I like the way he does that. Oh, I like the way he does that. Those are the things like that Black Foxes record. I was like right. the production. I was like, oh, I like the way that this. And so like, I find myself when I listen to records like, who did it? Who did the record? Oh yeah, and for then because sure, yeah. then it'd be like, right. oh man, because like their tastes align with your taste, mm-hmm. and then like. Um, I remember hearing that my brother, once again, he's like, he's like, dude, I feel like you'd love the production on this uh, record by Brand New. I'd never listened to Brand New before. Yeah, I don't really he's know like, him either. He's like, check out the record science fiction. And so I listened to it. I'm like, okay, yep, I love the production on that. Right. So then I started bringing in some things I heard to that. And when I, to start doing records, I was like, okay, I'm going to start doing some of this because I love what it adds yeah. to to these records. I think it sounds fucking dope. Um, well, did, I mean, did you listen to Failure? Like, are you into Failure? Failure's fine. I prefer You're the Rabbit. Yeah, it's, it's a little um, more, it's more polished. Well, I can't. Fantastic Plan is pretty fucking polished, but it's also still a little more indie in its way. But uh, yeah. that Year of the Rabbit record definitely has like a big, like big production, like big studio sound to it. You know, it's more rockier, yeah, like yeah. with the riffs and stuff. Yeah. It's, Paul's a big failure fan. Yeah. So, like I gave him a try. Let's do a bunch of records. Like yeah. I enjoy it, but it's like it's not one of those records where like the band I I come yeah. back to. Yeah. Where I'm like, oh, I gotta hear this. It's like, Fantastic this. Planet, dude. That yeah. record to me, that's like that's a top. It Definitely did take a minute to like, get into it, though, because I remember yeah. you were preaching them so hard forever, mm-hmm. and I was late to the game on it, and I listened to it like early in college, and I was like, yeah, it's cool, but I didn't quite get like all yeah, the hype and whatnot. That album's a, yeah. And then it just grows and yeah. grows and grows on you, and that whole genre, like the space rock vibe and yeah. stuff, and just the more I listened to it, I was like, fuck, this shit just yeah. owns, man. And they have some memorable moments, so I also say that, like you think about something, it's like, oh, that riff, Yeah. when it comes back, you're like, oh, yeah. 
it's a it's one of those records that's just a time and a place that they just fucking nailed it and like the records before were cool the records after that they're doing now they're cool but like fantastic planet is just a once in a lifetime like, yeah you know masterpiece of a record where that it's 20th anniversary front to back. show yeah, yeah. straight that through the goddamn pyramid scheme, scheme. Yeah. that was fucking fun. oh they came to the pyramid scheme yeah they, they did a like a small venue tour uh, not awesome. like they're playing stadiums or nothing, but like, yeah, yeah they did. Uh, it was like a 20th anniversary of that record and they were doing intentionally doing like really small places. That's so cool. And so we were like, just fucking like front row, you know, just it was oh, so fucking awesome. badass. Yeah. Same with take home. a piss and all these failure nudes. You're just like, God, you know, some break yeah. my boss. And <laughs> fucking go to the bathroom. <laughs> I have it to pee. Yeah. I will be back. I'll be able to hear it in the restroom. Yeah. <laughs> did you get down on home at all? That's right in there. In that yeah, I could here and there. Yeah. Um, like Paul loves fan. home. Yeah. Like my cousin Tom loves home. Yeah. <laughs> like there were moments where I was like, like this he's is got cool. The same taste as I do coming up on that. You shit, know, it's, yeah. it's, there's, there's moments where like, oh, this is cool. Mm. You know, I've, I've found that like, like, I don't know. I just have very specific tastes. It's like, it's either going to grab me or it doesn't. Mm. Like, I remember when I f- first started doing records in like 2007, 2008, like that's when like metalcore and hardcore was in. Like, yeah. the bands were just like, dude, listen to this record. And I was like, mm. I don't like this kind yeah. of music. Yeah. Like, How do you not like it? I, says, I like groovy or stuff. Like, yeah. This grooves. And then I remember when I first heard the record, um, God Luck and Good Speed by Weed Eater, I was like, there's music that sounds like this. I was like, oh my god, that record like fucking was a know, game changer you for have me. To write some of these down. I know. <laughs> like, hey. Do you know the band Weed Eater? I've heard of them, but I've never caught it. You know. So that was their like their they had a record before that, but I can't remember how I stumbled across God Luck and Good Speed. The house I was living at, I think we just got internet, and so like I was just on the internet like looking for stuff, and then. I stumbled across that, and then when I heard that, I was like, Albini did the record. Oh, okay. So it's like, the, the production was awesome. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, I'd never, like, because, like, that super dense, loud guitar, loud bass, the way yeah. the drums are mixed, I was like, this is incredible. Yeah. It seems like you like that kind of. Dude, like it was kind of super cool. And then that was like, I remember, like, in the MySpace days, like I miss MySpace because I discovered so much yeah. good shit through MySpace. And there was a band from the UK called Pombajira that had a two-track record that was 55 minutes long. And oh, I bought nice. the CD. <laughs> and my brother and I, we'd drive to gigs. I'd have it. I had an old Chevy van that was all tricked out. And we'd listen to that. And he's just like, dude, he's like, I can't do another roundabout on this record again. <laughs> it's like the opening riff is four minutes long. <laughs> it wasn't even prog rock. It was just 55 minutes of verse, chorus, verse for two songs. But I'm like, but that guitar sounds cool. Are you into High on Fire? I love High on Fire. Yeah, I was gonna say yep. I was pretty sure you'd love that band. I yep. ended up seeing I've seen those guys fucking four or five times too for the same reason. They were always opening for or playing with some of my other favorite bands. So it was just yeah. like, it was constantly fucking playing with Mastodon or you know oh, what I mean? I it's love just like fucking Mastodon. I've yeah, I've seen those guys a hundred times now too. So it's like a bunch of those bands, it was always like Baroness and Mastodon and fucking Between the Buried and Me and the yeah. Iron Fire and just like it was just a rotating you know yeah. like they were always playing with each other. So. I remember the first time I learned about High and Fire was from through Dies like they were supposed to play there was a club in Muskegon called Blue Note and then Cadillac Jacks yeah. they were supposed to play yeah. <laughs> which is now a parking lot which is a yeah, bummer. Yeah, yeah. Oh that's where you guys are from there. Yeah I've played Blue Note several times saw Dude, some hilarious shows there too. My first show was there was April 2007 
seven. It was like changed my life. And, and like I dropped out of college. once I got the rock and roll bug. And I, was like, <laughs> I was like, I want to do this all the time. Yeah. And then, um, so they were supposed to do it at Cadillac Jacks, but then that venue fell through. So they played it in the showroom at intersection. Oh, okay. And so if he was playing with them, opening for them. And so it's like, I used to be like their, their roadie back in the day, just make sure everything was good. Cause I was, right. the, I was the tech nerd. I was just like, yeah. I can make sure all your shit's good. And so I remember like the, at the end of the show, they were talking to Matt Pike and I was like, Hey, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. said, really like your music. Oh, Mr. Pike. Yeah. yeah. Really yeah. Like yeah. You. That dude looked freaking haggard as fuck. And his girlfriend. Always plays with a shirt off. Dude, <laughs> so fucking badass. And like at that point, like I was just getting into them. So it's like, I like it was cool. But then like I didn't have the the love of them like I did like four years after that. Yeah. Then yeah. I was just like, okay, now. Because like the record, I think they were touring at that point with Death Death. Death is this communion or something like that. Right, yeah. I don't know the records. Um, but like they have they have some records after that where it's just like super fucking badass. Seen some before that. But then like I remember seeing um Sleep come through the intersection mm-hmm. and then Paul's girlfriend works at the intersection. She's like, Do you guys want to go to the show? I'm like, I'd love to see Sleep. And I remember thinking to myself, because they run like Cisnero has like six Ampeg eight tens all Jesus. live pike has he had yeah. like 16 orange four by 12 yeah, yeah, yeah. and i remember thinking to myself i was like it's not as loud as i thought it was gonna be <laughs> i thought it was gonna be so much louder but i was like this is a nice loud right and it was still cool um because like i remember when i first heard the uh record uh dope smoker i was like oh this is really cool i like this or the song it's one song it's like 45 minutes yeah, and I was like that. Uh, yeah, I liked that one. Quite I never bit. really like broke out any of their records and stuff. You know, I seem to be like just kind of in my lane a lot of the time too. Oh you yeah, know? like I just have the bands that I like and like yep. I try to find new shit and I do, but you know, like uh, it also seems to be like I kind of just follow the bands that I like. And, you know? totally. It's so much harder now because time's so limited. Like yeah. it seems the same for you. And you're busy yeah. with work and busy with this and busy with this project yep. or whatever. So to like sit down and try and find new music is a lot different than when yeah. you're fucking it's so much of it's 15 garbage, and nothing dude. to do but jack off. <laughs> dude, I know. Like, Super Bowl, yeah. you know? Paul and I had a conversation and we are like, so much new sh- new shit is just like this is like this has been this done shouldn't before. even like exist. It's like this is <laughs> it's lame. This like I remember like back in the day, it's like you buy a record from a band. It's like they have three good songs and the rest was filler. Yeah, back in the day it was albums. It's like mm. and I'm an album guy. It's just Me like yeah. I'm not a singles guy. It's like I want to listen to a gotta record. The whole thing. I gotta listen to a record. Sure, yep. And so it's like. Same with you. It's just like I tend to gravitate towards it's like this is what I like. Yeah. yeah. And every once in a while, and something might grab my attention. It's like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I went, I started going backwards too. That was another thing. It was like, instead of trying to discover new music, it was like discovering new music, new to me, but it's old. Yeah. You know, just stuff that I haven't ever went down. Like, I've talked about it a lot on here already, so I won't go super into it, but I got super into funk earlier this year. Oh, yeah. I just fucking went all the way down that rabbit hole. Yep. Just like, you know, whatever. Just like who, what bands your favorite bands were influenced by. Yeah. You know? So I just started like going backwards and just kind of finding that shit out. So, oh, yeah. I went yeah. through a big funk phase in high school, high school and college. I remember like being in the thumb. Our entertainment was going to Walmart. 
And with, so they had like a <laughs> Funk 1, Funk 2, and I bought both of them. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. was like, this is fucking Hell tight. Yeah, it's catching too. the bangers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then when I got to college, that was the first time we had like internet on all the time that wasn't dial up. And there was a thing called MyTunes. Where you could go in, and if other people made their iTunes library public, you could go in, you could rip all their music. Uh, And so then it's like, I got a ton of music through that. And then, like, it became like a thing to where it's like you could see everyone else's library, and then you would keep your your library like super clean so it's like oh yeah this is this artist everything's all like detailed out all the information's added so I went down that rabbit hole of like this is all the stuff that I Mm. like and like when I went to school it was like everyone was into like Dave Matthews and I'm like it's cool like those guys wail but it's like it never really I like some Dave. We, yeah, we like the those couple, three, four early Dave records. But I wasn't ever like, you know, hippying it out on all that shit or whatever. But those yeah. guys are pretty sweet. Yeah, so yeah. I like them. We make a lot of jokes on here. Remember, they, they fucking dumped the shit in the river. <laughs> Do you know about that? Uh-uh. The fucking Dave Matthews Band tour bus in the middle of Chicago opened up and drained their fucking shitter into the Chicago <laughs> River, but it went onto a open Chicago River tour boat. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's hilarious. Dude, it's got shit on my boy Tinsy. Yep. It was awesome. Yep. They're like, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Speaking of old school tunes, you see your boy from the one of the Isley brothers just died. Oh, really? Rudolph Isley. I yeah. I don't, I don't know all of them, mm. but. I think mm. several of them. He's probably the last one. <laughs> R.I.P. pouring out for whichever eyes the brother he just <laughs> going with Rudolph. Reps come in and they're like, try this, try this. And like, I would lose a day from just being fucking tying a buzz on at like 11 <laughs> in the morning. Like, shit, I was supposed to do all this. And now I'm fucking humming. Right. <laughs> I was like, well, that was some good ass shit. It's all part of the job, you know. Yeah, what are you gonna do? You know, so it's sometimes like, you gotta bite the bullet. Dude, up. I know when I first started there, and then it's like Tara's like, you come home drunk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like sweet. <laughs> it's like it didn't it you know, it just happens by accident, you yeah. know, where it's just like, man, this is really good. And then like when you start, it's like mm, let's just keep going, right. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of our uh, best buddies works for a liquor distributor so he's always got that shit and especially back in the what, day what you know, distributor do you know don't remember offhand honestly what um, if i know is he a rep yeah he's some yeah sort i of think rep he's there. like a area manager or something now but he's a rep until what's his name very, i wonder if i've worked with him uh shane persian shane persian he's been on the pod a bunch of times yeah so. he does like grand rapids area oh, primarily okay, back okay. in the day yeah. he did but man like but, you know back too. in the day you know we For get going to parties and shit okay and just had the case full of demo bottles. It's like, oh, yeah, try this, try mm-hmm. this. Fucking $150 bottle, try mm-hmm. this. Yeah. So, same thing. It's like, so, di- so tight. There was one of the guys that um, he works for RNDC, and he and I get to, just get to chat, and he goes, dude, he's like, my garage is filled with liquor. So we, <laughs> we have friends over just nice. to try and get rid of the right, shit. Right, right, and right. then there's another rep. I'm trying to think who he works for, Sazerac. And he goes, I had to get a storage unit because I have – 
promo promo material mm-hmm. and then just booze that you get to sample out because they yeah. come in with a rolling cooler yeah. and like hey yeah. try this and you're like okay yeah. and then you know, he's be... looking for a way to get the word out yeah, for yeah we're listeners across just saying bro just saying oh, sponsor the show more than happy to give a plug out here <laughs> oh it's so funny but it was great and then like my buddy gave me shit that owns the bar because I'm a gin guy, and like when I got there, they only had one gin, and like now we have four. And he's just like, "What are you trying to turn me into a gin bar?" I was like, "No, we just should have options." <laughs> it's like, I, it's like you should have more than one. It's yes. like I know we're a tequila bar, but it's like it's nice to have options on gin. Right. You know, there's a. Are you guys gin drinkers? Not really. I, it's it's here, all right. I, I feel mean, like it's an underrated classic yeah. drink, though. Every time I have a gin drink, a gin and like, tonic in the summer, daytime is nice. Down on gin the is, so at my house, my wife my wife got me into gin and tonics. My only experience with gin was when I went to college and my roommate bought some cheap gin in a plastic bottle. Yeah, and I, I played golf, so I played golf in college, and I got super shit faced off of gin. We had these mandatory study halls, and I remember like chugging this gin in a plastic bottle. It was fucking terrible. Yeah, I was like, yeah. fuck gin, this is yeah, gross. Yeah. And, and my wife's like, no, 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 no. Try it. It's really good. Mm-hmm. So then we had some gin talks. I was like, oh, this is my shit. Yeah. There's a gin called Ford's Gin. So gin, like, I feel like the standard is Hendrix. Okay. Ford's, to me, is, so Hendrix is like 42 a bottle. You can get Ford's for 29 a bottle, and it's just as good, if not better, than Hendrix. Love nice. that. Yeah. So life hack for anybody looking for really good gin, Ford's gin. Right. So we carry that at the bar. Nice. It's fucking great gin. Great so summer nice. drink gin and tonic. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm Golf saying. drink specifically. Yeah. Ooh, you big yeah. golfer as well. You got to yeah. have a nice little summer cocktail when you're out there. The gin yeah. tonic's pretty that's nice to like on the golf daytime. course. By the lake, by the pool, yeah, whatever. Fuck yeah. That'll do it. But yep. yeah, but I don't love uh I don't love it. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. You know. G and T's in the summer and then the winter it's whiskey and ginger beer. Yeah. That's that's that's, that's <laughs> the household drinks. Yeah. Same type of story though, man. First time I ever had gin, we were up at a buddy's cabin. Busted up into the parents' liquor cabin. <laughs> it's like, well, it's gin or nothing. And, yeah. you know, we're fucking yep. idiots, 17 year old kids yeah. or whatever, no idea about anything. Tastes like pine Don't trees. know about mixing. Yeah, we're just drinking straight mm-hmm. gin. It's like, oh, you know, this yeah. is the most rancid shit I've ever Vile. had. But I've never gotten the pine tree thing. Like, my daughter, she's just like, it smells yeah. like pine trees. Like, I don't yeah, ever, it doesn't ever taste like pine trees to me. Yeah. Well, it's made it's from literally made from berries. Yeah. The history yeah. on it, I remember reading about it was like, so. They made gin because when women would stay at home, they didn't want their breath to stink. So they made them drink. So they (laughs) made gin so that their breath was less disgusting when they got home. Sounds about right. I I just thought it was just like cheap. You know what I mean? It was just a cheap way to get fucked up, basically. You know. I mean, like, the the I think the foundation of it is um, very similar to vodka. Yeah. And then the way they distill it. Yeah, they just is, ferment juniper berry and. Yeah. So fucking. I good. think gin is like the go-to shit in the twenties and thirties. Yeah. It's like kind of the main. The main gin ever. The fucking prohibition era. Got a head or whatever. <laughs> So long story short, there's always a bottle of gin in my house. Nice, nice, <laughs> I yeah. always try and keep a bottle of whiskey around too for vocal day. Oh yeah, dude, that's the key. <laughs> like I remember, so like I just the uh, um a record I just finished a couple weeks ago, a uh, band called Best Noodles in Town. They have a record coming out uh, next week, and uh, the singer came back up to uh, do some overdubs. And so they're from Indianapolis, so it's like he came back up. We made a day out of it. 
And so it's like he had some more aggressive parts and he had some more singy stuff. They're very like Midwest emo, kind of like American football yeah. type stuff. And um, so he's just like, man, I think I just hosed my vocals. I'm like, hold on. I said, take some whiskey. Oh, yeah. And they took a sip of whiskey. He's like, holy shit. I was like, you just nailed that vocal. He goes, <laughs> he's like, he's like this. It, it, it relaxes your vocal cords to where it's yeah. like if you're doing like heavy vocals or like singing, it just like it'll put your your vocal cords like in the pocket towards like if you're doing like screaming or something it relaxes them really nicely yeah, towards yeah. like you can just get I that think, out i think what it actually is doing is it's relaxing the person and like stopping <laughs> inhibitions and stuff because it's actually drying out your vocal cords and shit like you don't actually want to do that but even my voice coach was like you know like have a drink because it loosens you up sure sure <laughs> you know it's like it's not actually good for your vocal cords but what it does do is like you know i know it was always a confidence. thing for like sore throats and stuff too like hot yeah. toddies or even just a little like yeah, half grandpa's a, old half cough a, medicine half a spoonful yeah. of whiskey and some fucking honey, honey and, stuff, and all that yeah it's fucking money and the other yeah. thing too is like when i do um vocals for tiny tree like this was so our last record like uh it was all we had all the music recorded and I had to write all the vocals for it. And then I realized that when my wife and I went for a walk and then I would come back, then my voice would be like in that spot. Yeah. And then like and it's then like because you did some light cardio. It was per, it was perfect. It was just yeah. like it's like my body was ready. Yep. And then the other thing I've gotten into too was like I quit smoking to help sing better. So it's like I think Paul and I's last tour was in February. So I quit smoking in February, and I started between not smoking and doing vocal warm-ups before every show. Yeah, was crucial. Yeah. I was like, yeah. and our buddies in Arson, we 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 uh, they played a show with us, and my buddy Dave in that band, he goes, "Dude, you you sang really good at that show." And I was like, "Quit smoking, vocal warm-ups." He's yeah, like, "That'll do it." He's just like, mm -hmm. "Holy shit!" Because like that's the biggest thing. Because like if the singer sucks, people walk out, mm -hmm. and so I'm always super self-conscious because like I'm not the greatest vocalist. And so, like, I'm always, like, trying to perform to my absolute best. But it's like, I play stone sober because, it's like, I have to be fucking good. I like and a couple drinks. I can't do it. I can't do <laughs> yeah. it. Like, But well, it's more about, again, like, loosening up and just, like, the performance aspect of it. Sure. Whatever, you know, uh, making an ass of yourself, essentially. <laughs> See, like, I'm all, like, to be in front of people, like, I'm already, like, comfortable you know yeah, well, like, uh, yeah too, you know yeah, it's, it's like just, yeah. like to me like stage is like open waters you can do whatever you want up yeah. there and it's like because you're on stage it's like if you have the confidence to project it then people will buy it but if you show insecurity people will yeah, latch sure. on to that so yeah. it's like if like i always i always find myself distracted by bands like well we didn't really practice this song so it's gonna be kind of shitty i'm like you just lost me why are you doing it then? it's like it's like be confident it's like <laughs> yeah, this next yeah. song you're welcome by the way play uh -huh. it you know it's like having that it's like even if it's full confidence but like that confidence translates so much more than like insecurity like i noticed that like like growing up in the thumb and then going back and playing over there now where it's like the level of perfection by the bands that we played with from the east side i'm just like you guys should take yourself more seriously it's just yeah. like you could be good if you like believed in yourself right, and like right. and then coming over there and playing is just like just own what you do because if you're confident in what you do then that that confidence translates yeah you know it's like there's a fine line between arrogance and confidence but like i feel like there's like if people are like if you translate it's just like we're about to take you on a journey the people are like, oh, yeah, did you ever play sure. stone in front of people? 
No. I, I have a few times. Wait, back no. In the day. I lied. One time, yeah. Raph from Charles Viaspri got me stoned yeah. one time, and we played a mulligans. And it's yeah. like, I, 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 yeah, I, I always, Paul hates playing mulligans, but I love playing I love mulligans, mulligans because dude. there's no pressure. And so yeah. it's like, and with, with the way we like fucking doing shit, it's like, I love doing like a jam session and just like kind of figure it out and be like, okay, we're going to play this song, this song, and this song. And then how we get to there is uncharted waters and i remember i was super high because of raf he's like just take one hit <laughs> and, starts, and, so, and so it's like i took a hit and i was like all right cool thanks man and then like we were playing i was like holy shit i'm high and then paul got up to say he's like he's like your energy was a little bit different he's like i was going for this change here and then you were still pushing this riff and then i was like i, was like, I don't know it felt right <laughs> so I okay i played one time oh actually hold on two times we <laughs> oh, this is funny when we were um in uh uh where the fuck were we somewhere in tennessee we were playing somewhere in tennessee in february and uh um we became friends with uh this guy named jd pinkus and so we, he was doing his solo set and so um we met up with paul's buddies and we had like they they made their own moonshine, so I was drinking moonshine. Oh Jesus, yeah. And then like, so let me rewind a little bit. So Paul and I have had like two shows that have been kind of wild. So Paul, we played in Chicago one time, and uh, Paul reconnected with some old friends, and like it was like it was the worst show he ever played. Like I just <laughs> I just finished building this guitar, and I was really excited to like try it out on this on these couple of shows. And I was like, dude, what the fuck happened up there? And then so like the next day he's like, oh, you know what? I was in this car with these girls and I, th and I smoked weed with them. I was like, oh, so you were drinking and stoned. And it's like, I'm a loud guitar player. And he was like, I can't hear your guitar. I can't yeah, hear your guitar. Yeah. It was a mess. So like that was one show where it was just like, I wanted to fucking walk off stage. <laughs> and then so he was like, the rebuttal to that was when we were in Tennessee and we were playing the show, and I was super fucking shit faced. And Paul's like, "That's the worst you've ever played." <laughs> <laughs> and so I was so thankful that the PA system could not like handle the volume of our band because like I run in ears directly off my vocal processor, so I can hear just my voice. And I remember like while I was singing, I was like, "Nah, I'm not hitting that. <laughs> nah, I'm not hitting that." And I was like, "That's not happening." No, no, it was just no. shit, 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 shit. And I was like, "Man, it's a good thing that no one can hear it because it was so fucking bad." And then Paul was so pissed at me because I was like super hammered. And then oh yeah, that was so that was our like that's kind of funny. That's hilarious. I gotta tell you, man, I was bumping some tiny tree today. Well, record. Uh, I listened to both of them, actually. Which one do you like more? I'm super curious. I don't... It might be the first one, but I'm not sure. I, it was the first time I listened to both, and I'm okay. real hesitant to make a gut call off of both. What I will say was interesting. You brought up this band earlier, and I don't know if this is a terrible call or spot on, but I definitely got some, like, especially on the new album some kind of like Isis vibes and certainly not a one-to-one, -one, but like kind of some Isis and Pelican with that slow, super heavy guitar. Okay. A yeah. little bit of that. So kind of like, you know, not, you know, certainly your own thing, but like kind of a little bit of Isis, a little bit of Pelican, a little bit of like almost 
kind of some pseudo porcupine tree but not exactly and more so maybe on the the first album with the porcupine tree stuff but yeah i fucking thought they were both dope man i really like all those bands are ingrained into my being okay um you know what's funny is when we did so 11 which is the newest record um and that one was like paul and i were like binging peter gabriel yeah because well, i just saw a live yeah. a week ago you saw peter gabriel mm-hmm. oh it's an He's amazing one of my top 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 influences i yeah. dude his record when i heard the record so it, I was, it was fucking put a fork in me like i was in high school like my dad like growing up on it like my dad played peter gabriel i was like oh yeah. that's cool but then like when no, i actually no, got alone with the record yeah and i was like this is amazing and yeah. then paul and i like have was, you heard the new Peter Gabriel? No. Stop everything you're doing. We're going to stop this podcast right now. <laughs> I'm fine with that if you want. Just fucking go listen to the stuff he's releasing now, his new music. Okay. Okay. 75 years old. It's just incredible. But that, anyway, man. Anyway, dude, so, so and I got a story about the Peter Gabriel show that I didn't get into yet that I got to fucking tell you here. So. Oh, man. So <laughs> Teaser. Like, Teaser. Yeah, That's yeah, pro te- move yeah. right there, brother. So, yeah. like, that record, I was listening to a ton of Deftones. And then um ton of Peter Gabriel and like that was wrote during like the the COVID era. So like to me, like when I listen to it now, I feel like that record, like for me, was a flop in mentally because like Paul wanted to play super simple drums and he hates himself for it. And like we did it to a click, which we haven't done before. Because we wanted it slow, and I feel like it just took all the energy out. Like the one song, there's two songs that I feel like, I guess the songs came out pretty good. But like when I listen to it, it's like I can hear it all. You know, like when you make something and we're just like, there's that one thing that bothers you. Can you can only hear the flaws. You if can you're only the guy who hear, made it. You can only hear the flaws. And what yeah. killed me was like when people like got it and reviewed it, they saw through. Like I remember one guy was like saw all the flaws, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh man. And I remember reading the review, and I was like, fuck this guy. And I read it again. <laughs> I remember I read it again. I was like, you know, he's, what? Right. He's, he's right. He's right. But then like he got to rethink my life. He wasn't as negative as I thought. So this last record we did completely live. So I'm yeah. like, okay, this is this is what's what's the the right way for us. Um, but when we did uh, the record embolism, like that, the, the way we write is we write live together. It's like we just jam, and they're like, okay, that's cool. Let's figure that out. Where when we did eleven, it was like we wrote all the music in like two weeks, and I was like, all right, let's just track it all, and then I'll just go do everything. Yeah, and it sucked. I mean, like, there's some <laughs> like like the song Idolize. I'm like, that song's cool. Like the recorded version and like Paperboat, we have fine tuned like now live. That's my favorite song to play. There's some cool moments on it, but the song, the record Embolism, which is the white one, yeah, that one, like I remember being genuinely scared to release that record because I was so honest and vulnerable, like lyrically on that record. Where I was like, this is fucking real. And then that it was one did, killer, man. I fucking, I, I like, I genuinely like both of them. Like, I'm not right, cool. smoke. I thought they were both dope, but yeah, they're, they're fucking killer, dude. But I like, and like the record embolism for me, like that's when I was really starting to come into my own, um, like mixing wise. And like, I missed the mark on a couple of things. It was like, I'd love to go back and remix it. So yeah. It was like, just get energy movements. Right. Um, cause that's like, now like, that's like the final piece where I'm finishing to mix is I call energy movements to make sure like the impacts are impactful. The gentle mm-hmm. parts are gentle, which I nailed that on the record 11 in my opinion. And then like, 
um, that I mastered that myself. And then especially for vinyl where the vinyl on that record. And that was like, I was listening, listening to, um, I went to my uncle Dave's house. My uncle Dave was in the Navy. So he had all the badass stereo equipment because like, it seemed like any guy that was in the service back in the day had fucking primo stereo equipment. Cause they could buy it for no money. So he had a fucking badass Kenwood, Kenwood speakers, badass turntable. Oh, yeah. And I was at his house. We had somebody uh, um, else master our record embolism. And I was like, Oh, let's check out this record. I remember listening to it next to like fog hat and rush and blue oyster cult. And we put, I put my record on and I was like, this sounds like fucking dog shit. I hated it so much. So then like when I, so when I messed mastered 11, I was like, all right, this needs to have the same impact as like rush and blue oyster cult and fog hat. So when you put it on for vinyl, because I find myself, if like, I've, I've come to detest mastering material that I've mixed because it's like, I'm so close to it where it's like, if I'm doing that, I tend to favor on the vinyl master outside of the criteria required for the, like, like the physical implementations of, of cutting to vinyl. Cause like at one point I had a vinyl lathe and yeah. I was cutting to vinyl. So it's like, yeah. then I realized like, okay, these are the physical limitations frequency wise on this. So then when I master for vinyl, it's like, Especially on like when I did the Jesse Ray records, I was like, if people are listening to the vinyl record, they're paying attention. So I would I would focus on I would take the the stereo mix and make it so that the uh, the mix would land differently for vinyl towards this like um, like especially on Jesse's last record and this new one like making the vocal a little bit more the way it cuts a little bit different, make the, make the low end hit a little That's bit different. That's so cool, taking the care and the time yeah. to fucking do it right and differentiate between those yeah. different mediums. Yeah, because like sure. with, awesome, with, when you release digitally, it's just like, sky's the limit. Like you, you can you can push it and you can, you know, get all that energy out of the material. And like I feel like um, mastering is almost more like a a making up for what the limiter is taking away because the limiter, when you throw the limiter on, it's just like, as soon as you hit it, the sides come up, the center goes down, the mid range changes. And then it's just like, okay, now we need to accommodate the fact that the limiter is happening. And then like, make sure that the material is translating correctly from what the mix is. And so like with mastering for vinyl, which I think is way more intuitive. It's like, you're not using a brick wall limiter on vinyl. You're just using compression and keeping it to a certain point. You're, you're shaping the mono image on the low end. And so it just, it's, it's, it, in my mind, it's such more of a, a practical implementation of audio for cutting to vinyl because that's just like, it's way more organic. All the, the highs and lows are preserved. Like, I find myself like the way I automate the two bus on a mix, I will then carry that automation over on the master to make sure that the peaks and valleys are followed into sort of the impact is still there. And I feel like that translates so much better when there's not a limiter in place, like when you're just doing it to, to vinyl. And so it's like, I'll close my eyes. And if I find myself getting lost in the material, then I'm like, okay, that's right. That's mm -hmm. right. If I'm getting carried away by an instrument, I'm like, okay, that that's right. Where it's just like, uh, I find myself mixing so much more with feel because if you mix and and re, and, and record with feel, then it seems like the 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 final product seems to come out more 
more better. Jesus Christ. <laughs> more better. It's, it it just comes across better. It's like, mm. you know, there's, there's, there's fundamental things where it's just like good mic pre, good converters, you know, good monitoring mm. situation, all that shit. It's just like, you have the fundamentals of everything. It's like, if you capture the vibe and you capture the energy of the material, then that translates so much more than being like, well, technically this is correct. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Where oh, it's just like, sure. yeah. because like as a, as, as a typical listener, it's like, as a listener, it's like, oh, that song fucking bangs. Yeah. You know, it's the old saying where it's like, how do you fix a shitty snare drum? Write a better song. Yeah. yeah. You yeah, know, or, yeah. you overlook all that stuff because like, oh, that song fucks. There's a joke about that because it's like, like the same thing where like, uh, it's better. Like, I'd rather listen to fucking tool recorded on my shitty cell phone. You know what I mean? Then like <laughs> that sounds better because it's performed better than if you like you know why is that more pleasurable to listen to because it's just performed better so even though it's it was Maynard. It, yeah well I mean it's just like you know that's what I'm saying it's like Justin yeah. Chancellor's bass sounds better played from the stage 200 yards away into my shitty cell phone why is that more enjoyable to listen to than somebody who is you know micing up a cabinet and but it sucks. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, I'm it's just saying. Vibe. It. Yeah, it's the vibe. It's just kind of like. I got to ask my second ignorant question because I've heard this. I don't know if this is bullshit or not. I assume it's almost got to be bullshit. I've heard that vinyl has, a, I don't know the exact terminology, but just air quotes, like a wider spectrum of sound than CDs, other shit. Like, like is, low to high? I, I don't even I don't exactly think it know. does. I think it's it the does. other way. Okay. No, it's, 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 it does. Isn't, so, isn't more high end rolled off in vinyl? Nope, not at all. Okay. Um, actually, so like when we're doing digital, there's a cap of 20K. So you have, you have harmonics. Yeah. So like think about the Mag EQ. You have the, the air band, which goes up to like 40K. Yeah. So with vinyl, there's no there's no cap. I mean, granted there is going to roll through some transformers, which creates some frequency roll off, but there's no limiting. Cause when we go to 44, one bit, there is a at 20 K, which is, you know, technically inside of our hearing range of airband, but there's harmonics that happen. Like with, with vinyl, there is no threshold of the harmonic energy being limited. Mm, so okay. to speak so there is there is harmonics that reach beyond here there's a, a, a I was watching an interview with uh, Rupert Neve talking about when he released one of his consoles and he brought it to an engineer that he really admired and the engineer's like he's just like there's something that's not right he's just like it sounds good but he's like something's not right so Rupert brought it back to his lab and looked at it and he was getting there was a peak at like 180 kilohertz but that harmonic was enough to where that could be registered to the ear of the engineer so where he's just like so now he's like so now he's like i design all of my studio gear to be flat up to 200 kilohertz because those harmonics where it's like those are things where it's like you can you can pick up on like my wife it drives her nuts because like you know when I was younger doing records like I couldn't pick up on anything but now I'm like you know I've I've gotten to the point where it's just like I've invested so much in my signal path converters and all that I remember when I got these antelope converters and I was listening to music I was like holy shit I can hear yeah. everything everything Dude, converters is so, are so goddamn key is that Dude, what you got the antelopes antelopes yeah. I got the 32 HD yeah best money i've ever spent and like so much so like it'd be to the point where like before i got that i had the 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 scarlet 18 i 20 and complimenting um extender and 
I've come to despise the TL072 op amp because of that um, thing in my console. But I used to break out mixes onto my console and, and, and do like stereo summing and then bring it out through my two bus on my board. And I remember I was doing a band right after I got these converters. And I brought the band out on my console after I had a running mix in the box. I was like, running mix in the box sounds great, so let me break it on my board. Pull it on my board, and I was like, this sounds like fucking dog shit. So then I went through and I hot-rodded my console some more to make up for it sounding not so desirable. But, like, that detail, like, back in the day, like, I feel like the more you can hear, the less you do. Like I found myself like back in the day, I would make super aggressive EQ moves, right. yeah, compression, yeah, yeah. and now I'm just like, no, that sounds fucking dope. Right. Leave yeah. it alone. Uh -huh. That, no, makes that sense. sounds fucking dope. Leave uh -huh. it alone. And then yep. like, and now it's just like, but I feel like you know like the same thing was just like every one percent improvement that you have along the way adds up into the product ending up so much better. Mm -hmm. Where I think it's so crucial to be like. You know, th I think about like where I started recording and where I'm at now. It's like I started with fucking oh, dog shit. Yeah. Oh yeah. But it's just like then you learn. It's mm -hmm. just like oh that made a big improvement. Oh yeah. that made a big improvement. And then to get to the point now where it's just like now you can hear all that shit. Where I'm just like listen, someone's like oh that's off right there. Yeah. I'm I like, feel yeah. like with almost any kind of medium, like movies, literature, music, whatever it is, like those little incremental details and nuances that like in and of themselves might not be huge add up to be so massive and like that's how you go from a really good to special right like yeah it, it's mm -hmm. just that little fucking like what is it and it's just the little well-placed thing here that and hard and drugs little, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> out of that sweet cheap sweet, sweet dude i find myself now like it's like i've like I'm like, I feel like it's like, I feel like you could resonate with this is like, you know, as a, you know, engineer, it's like, you're always pushing yourself to capture things as accurately as possible. And then now it's like, I'm at the point where it's like, okay, I know how to capture this stuff really well and get the sound that I need. We're like, I remember for a long time, I was just like, all right, I really need to learn how to capture a kick drum really well. Now I need to learn how to capture this really well. Now I need to learn how to capture this. So I'm constantly challenging myself to be like, for the longest time, it was like, it was kick drum, then it was cymbals. Then it was, now it's vocals. And so, and then investing in equipment to complement those things. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I have on my console, I have one, two, three, four different flavors of preamp between transformer coupled and then different op amps that I have in place. Um, I have a tech console and I redesigned some of the mic pre's to get different tones out of. Oh, cool. Um, so I was going to ask you what you're doing for mic pre's. I'm into the 500 series shit. See, I don't have a. I want. I want to do that, but I don't have a 500 series box. So I have a board, and I'm an electronics guy. So I was yeah. like, "Oh, I got shit." So I might as well just yeah, hot rod it, you that's know? Nice, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's like if I get bored, I'm just like, "Man, I really want a little bit more out of this." So I'll just go in, and then I'll just yeah. you know start you know. That's fucking awesome. Getting I wish I had that weird on it. <laughs> it's nice um, to have. But it's like that. Then like, dude, tracking with a console is is so much faster. And that's where yeah. like, I'm, do you know Rick Johnson? Yeah, I got the board from Rick Johnson. Oh, okay. So, um, well, it was my brother kind of fucking. I don't know. See, they they were recording. He kind of like set Rick up with his very first rig way back in the day. Was yeah. that uh, was Mike? Like, um, my brother's Josh. Josh Morgan. And then uh, it was I don't know Rick. 
those guys played in bands, you know, whatever, fucking whack trucks and all that yeah. shit. And so when Rick started getting into recording, I think my brother sold him his first computer or something and got him set up on that. And they might have even been rocking ADAT back then or something. like. Probably. I don't, I don't even know. I don't know the whole history, but uh, yeah, I still know Rick, you know, well enough. I got it, you know, whatever. Oh. And uh, went over to his studio probably... Sorry. A couple, three years ago, something like that, and hung out over there. Dude, he's got so much cool shit. Rick, yeah. and, Rick and I have had, I love the dude. So, like, this was great. So, he got a new-to-him console, and he, he had, the board I have now was his, his, his main board. And he goes, hey, I got this new board. It's not working. He's like, I know it's this. He's like, if you fix this for me, he's like, I'll give you the tack. So I was like, okay. Uh, okay. So I repaired his board. Right. Then he's, and I remember dropping it off. He plugged it in. He's like, all right, cool. It's fucking working. So he gave me that board. So that I got that board for free for repairing his. Hell yeah, and then like, because I'm a fucking electronics nerd, like every once in a while he'll hit me up. He's like, hey, this thing is really fucking making me scratch my brain. He's like, can you help me figure out how to fix this? And nice, so nice. we'll go back That's and forth. That's awesome, man. Yeah, fucking dude. I, I got no skills with that shit at all. <laughs> <There's> <laughs> I've so retubed many... my own amps and shit, and that's it. You yeah. Know I mean? And that ain't a lot, you know? There's so many parallels between electronics manufacturing or designing and recording or, like, engineering music. Yeah. It's just, like, if you understand the fundamentals of, like, it's, like, think about right. phase. There's yeah. phase shifts and circuits. There's, you know, frequency management. How do you, like, like listen? Take that pedal, for instance. Like, there's a lift at 86 hertz. That's where the knee is on the high pass in that circuit. And so it's like, and like the cutoff on the top end is 156K. So it's like, you know, there's parallels between electronics manufacturing and recording. We're like, I remember when Kurt Ballou got into building pedals and he said, he's like, he's like, yeah, designing circuits is very similar to engineering a record. And it really is true because when I was in electronics school, I was so confused. I'm like, okay, we're doing DC and then we're doing AC. I was like, what the fuck? And then I had this aha moment. I was like, oh, the AC is the guitar signal. And then how you handle the impedance shifts influences frequency response. DC is setting your operating points for the individual components. And then you put those two things together. It's just like, if you want this response out of it, then you need to do the math and figure out how the AC impedance is influencing all of that. Jesus. And that's how you come up with high pass, low pass, you know, boost, cuts, dips, all that stuff oh. like that. So, so then, you actually, okay. That's so you fucking crazy. Yeah. So then yeah. you just figure out, you're like, oh, I want, I want the mids to be cut right here. And that's how I got into like amp modding. So like. I started with pedals back in 2010. I went to electronic school. I was like, okay, cool, pedals. I can figure this out. And then I was like, amps are so much cooler. Yeah. So then I got an amp design. I was like, I didn't have any money for amps. It's like, I love a diesel, like we were talking yeah. about earlier. Yeah, yeah. I can't afford a diesel. I have two yeah. Carvin Legacies. And I was like, they sound cool, but they're not quite there. So I went through... And I got the schematic and I went through, I was like, okay, if I change this and that's going to give me the, this frequency, which I know I love and just start going through and I rebuilt the clean and the dirty channel on tomorrow. So like, I plug it in, put everything I knew. I was like, perfect. Damn. That's fucking badass. So that was like, so I was able to make the amp that I right, dream right. about where it's like, okay, this is fucking. Have you built one from scratch at all? I built about six or seven. Okay. Yeah. I've got a single ended one, which I, I fucking love. I've got, um. Weber Amps was one that I did. So there's a company out of Kokomo, Indiana, which sells kits. And I remember one year we got a tax turn and I asked my wife, I was like, hey, can I take some money and buy a couple of amp kits? And she's like, 
Sure. <laughs> so I bought a Jason May hundred nice. and an orange, like an OR 100 kit. Okay. And so I built the orange and I was like, Oh, this is fucking dope. And then I ended up trading that for a motorcycle. And then, um, I still have the 800 and then the 800 that I, I that, that has been like my, I just yeah. modded the shit out of that thing. So it's like, I was playing in a super like heavy band. It's like, I'd be at practice. And I was like, complimenting uh, the other guitar players like man i want more of this so i'd go home change some parts like bring nice, it back to practice nice. next day i was like okay now that's sitting nicer and then i remember like i pulled it back out after i got a uh um a guy from work sold me a bugera 1960 which mm-hmm. is a plexi clone sold to me right. for 200 bucks brand new yeah and i got that amp and i tracked the whole record um 11 with that amp and i was like this sounds fucking sick so i plugged my jcm 800 amp and i played through and i was like this isn't as cool as i used to like it as and so i went back through and started reconfiguring the circuitry to be more original to um marshall on that one nice that's but nice. i gotta have you build me something that's like a diesel because i want a diesel too i need that in my collection dude. they have the pedal <laughs> so i did a band called means of entry and the guitar player connor had the diesel vh4 pedal yeah i know they got some pedals and shit now. and he played that through a fender of some kind it sounded in fucking credible damn like That's he was badass. just like he's like he's like does that sound that cool that pedal's like, probably not cheap either right it's like a 400 500 piece isn't it not at all there's a company that makes a um it must be a china version of it it was like 180 bucks oh okay it's fucking dope but it's just it all it is is like the distort the two distortion channels because yeah. it's like the vh4 that has yeah four channels and then you can get the two channel one yeah but you can get it for like less than 200 bucks herbert or one of them or it's a herbert something different something different yeah but there's the one that he has what is which one does adam jones use i don't know he uses a, i think he uses a diesel and a marshall together yeah well he, he uses the well it's like it's basically all diesels and then he's got his old original like modded marshall that he like keeps in the rig mm. there too but it's mostly like those three diesel heads he's got lined up and i can't remember which model he uses or whatever. because i prefer amp distortion over pedal distortion oh, me too. All that's the one yeah. thing i had to sacrifice moving to helix live was yeah amp distortion because i used to use amp distortion when i played yeah tube yeah. amps live because i would play live though with the i mean that's why everybody's going to that shit you know but it to me it just like it ain't the fucking same i don't care how good those modelers and shit get and the helixes and everything yeah. like i've thought about it several times like oh maybe i should just fucking drop the money get an axe effects or whatever and plug it in and stuff and then i'm like you know what no, I fucking love relamps and I love microphones and like, yeah. is it more of a pain in the ass? Yeah, but I think that's the fun of it. And yeah. it's also like, it's my shit, you know, like yeah. I got yeah. weird amps down there, you know, like it's, it's some weird shit, you know, and like yeah. throw up what this microphone's going to do on it or whatever. Like that to me is kind of the fun. So yeah, if it's just like everybody's on the same goddamn preset on the fucking thing, it's kind of like, right. Eh. It gets a little gets a little stale to me you know oh dude like i ran into like the thing that i ran into was like so i ran so it was so i run my my rig is stereo even though it's clumped together and then a bass amp so so i had three tube amps yeah thing i ran into was my tube amps were getting beat up in the trailer without cases i shattered a couple of tubes up when we were on the road yep and then lugging shit consistency and i remember we were playing a bar down in uh wilmington and I like I used to play with my amps cr- dimed, and the problem was we were on that stage. I was like my amps quiet, and so the thing I was I I craved was a couple of things, which 
uh, was the motivating factor for me to move to uh, Helix Rig was the first one is like if I'm going into a solid state power amp, I have fucking clean gain for days. Yeah. Like if we if, if we need, if I need to be louder, yeah. I can be. Yeah. If I need to be quieter, yeah. I can be, and I course, still have yeah. that breakup like mm-hmm. a tube amp. The other thing was was. I would have sections of songs where it's like I would go click 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 click, where now it's like oh one click switching yeah it's you know key. and so that was that yeah. was crucial. It's like when yeah. I click my what I call full dirt, I'm kicking on additional noise gate on the bass, a bass boost, a mid range boost, two distortion pedals, and additional gates on my distortion side. So it's like with one click I'm activating yeah. five yeah. or six things so it's just like bam. Yeah. Here we go. Where before it'd be like click, 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 click. Nah, fuck all that shit. You know, it's so yeah. much easier. And then now yeah. the other thing too is like because I spent so much time recording, now I can keep all my amps at home mm-hmm. and use them for well tracking. Serviced. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like I've got the Helix for live, which just sits in its rat case. Yeah. And it's like I can just leave that. Oh yeah. For, which is oh for, I get it I get the if I was doing live shit like that I'd probably be doing something like that too yeah what I was doing is I had the uh, the boss like I think at the time it was the GT10 or something was like the latest thing I still have it it was basically like their footboard yeah you know? yeah and uh, but I was running a MIDI switcher to switch the channels on my amp mm-hmm. so I was just using basically effects. Uh, but then with the MIDI switcher, so it was all about one touch switching. So it would change yeah. the channel on the amp and then whatever effects I had on it. Uh, and cause to me, cause I was singing too. Oh like yeah. Saying, so yeah. it was like, and our songs were very like, uh, had to drop, like it would go to like a clean sound, like heavy to clean, like full on sound change yeah you know yeah. first to chorus or whatever yep. and then into a lead or whatever so like for me it was like there was no other way i had to have one touch switching so that's the re- and it worked fucking great i mean like it's crucial and yeah it, like and again because it, it was also still had like amp distortion too because you know we were playing this was way before all this modeler shit was all the rage you know so, oh yeah and i was using the triple rec it was or it was the dual rack but it was that three channel like that model i got on there it was just a dual rack version that's Sick. what i was using but yeah like i was saying that fucking amp like crapped out on me a couple of times on stage <laughs> and shit and it's just like so you know that's the trade-off and that's why now everybody's fucking just yeah you got a backpack with your fucking whole stage <laughs> setup in it you know and just throw it on the floor but yeah know, they're fine it's fine for the live thing but it don't sound as good. Still needs cabs <laughs> on stage, in my opinion. Like yeah. I did live sound for a lot of years. Yeah, so I without remember, stage volume, it's uh, it's crucial. It's it's, there would be. I, I, I had it. so many bands come through. It's like, oh, your job's gonna be easy tonight. Everything's mm-hmm. di. I could not get a fucking vibe out yeah, of a di guitar exactly. to save my yeah. life. I was like, I need something to play off. It's yep. like. You know, with beating the room, it's like the room was like you know four hundred size room that I ran sound in for, you know, a long time, and. It's like, okay, I got the drums vibing, bass is vibing, cool. Then the guitars were all DI, and I'm like, they just sound thin. It's like, it still sounds fucking stupid. So it's like, it needs a fucking cab. Even if it's quiet, it's just like, it's like, to reinforce that sound, like having the amp sound come off the stage sounds so much better. It's night and day. It's Uh like, oh, you sound cooler if you have a fucking cab. Well, too, it's like you hear, because especially if it's with a live drum set, you're hearing the acoustic of the drum set, and then it's like you're just hearing the guitars and everything out of the PA, which is usually over on the sides or whatever, you know, which subs and below or stuff, but you like, it doesn't fill the room the same way. Yeah. And like, uh, do you know the band Catatonia? 
Uh, check out Catatonia. Amazing records. They're they're pretty sweet live too. Uh, we opened for them once. They're fucking great band. But they're all fucking. They got rid of all their amps and shit. So like last time I saw them, I can't remember who it was, but they were one of these bands. Something like High on Fire or something where it's like super fucking loud, tons of sludgy shit, giant fucking refrigerator cabinets on stage. They're just blowing your fucking ears off, right? So they open. And then they're done, and Catatonia comes on, and and it's like, in some ways, it sounds like better because it's like the mix is like real clean and everything. Yeah. But it was just like there was like no fucking presence at all in the sh- in the sound in the yeah. And, like, and and going from one to the other, like it was noticeable, and it was just kind of like didn't vibe, and it's like. You guys can still have a fucking amp on stage. Like, you're a big enough band where, like, it doesn't have to be a monster rig, but, like, have something, you know? Just throw that energy. It needs that energy. I got to piss. Yeah, we can take a break if you got to pee. Yeah, I got to pee. Hey, Matt. How are you? (laughs) I'm pretty good. Pretty good. It's been a a while, I feel like. Been a hectic handful of weeks. It has been. It has been. We had some uh, crazy guests in. We haven't really uh, talked about things that are happening in the world all the world comings lately. and goings happening Ooh. in the world right now if you will and you will things are pretty I've been known to go and come <laughs> <laughs> did you just go all I in just one went night. and I came things are getting uh, getting crazy out there I'm wondering if you can uh, kind of catch us up on uh, what's so, happening in the world let's do a little something to get all the right. people up to speed the Dangerville Podcast presents News of the World Let's get right to it with Woo. some four-week-old news coming back. <laughs> the stuff that hasn't been relevant for many, many weeks at a time now. And my friend, I'm going to take a page out of your book earlier. When you were speaking, I was listening. No more of this shitting on the jokes ahead of time. These are bangers, consistent bangers. We're bringing the funny this week. That's all there is to it. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah. Are it's you pumped? Dang. Are you no, this jokes. <laughs> no, this jokes are gonna be great. Dang. Yeah, let's see. Let's see. Bastard. All right, boys. First up on the dock, we've got <laughs> Freddie Mercury auction brings in big bucks. Ooh, okay. Did yeah. you see this one? Did you hear about nice, this? Nice. Uh-uh. So a recent auction of Queen singer Freddie Mercury's belongings included items such as a prize piano he used to compose Bohemian Rhapsody. Nice. A massive collection of of his flamboyant stage costumes uh-huh. and a gold Cartier brooch with the words Queen Number One <laughs> given to each band member by their band manager after the song topped the charts. Okay. Yeah. Also okay. found in the collection was a handwritten note from Mercury himself which said, Bitch, please, when it comes to being the number one queen, my bandmates were competing for second place at best. <laughs> because he's gay. All right. Moving right along here. <laughs> 600,000 gallon wine spill transforms Portuguese town into a flowing river of red. <laughs> did you see this one? I, I, might have I saw suspect that. he did because he sent me a note out okay. like a month ago. Excellent. So, Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Presumably you did indeed see this one. So <laughs> residents of a charming coastal Portuguese town were left in astonishment. As their streets transformed into a river of red wine after two tanks from the Levira distillery unexpectedly burst. Oh, that's tragic. Sommeliers described the streets as oaky, full-bodied, and fruit-forward, gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs) Not my finest work there. That's gold. We're going to give them those. The story was then amended after it was incorrectly reported that the 600,000-gallon wine spill was caused by burst tanks. 
as it was later discovered to have simply been the result of a Sex in the City watch party gone wrong, gentlemen. hey <laughs> The Where's ladies that love their sex in the city <laughs> in the line, <laughs> I know we gotta have it, dude, in top priority. All right, what else do we got here? I forgot all about these. Missouri high school teacher is put on leave after school officials discover her page on a porn site. Yeah. 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 Pretty awesome. So yeah. Brianna Coppage, 28. Her name's Brianna. Brianna, yeah, like, come on. Is she on Reddit? Can we find her on Reddit? Yeah. We, uh, we'll Google Oh, that's some. her butthole. That's real nice. <laughs> uh, so she taught English at St. Clair High School and said her teaching days are probably over after school <laughs> officials discovered that she was performing on a pornography website to supplement her salary. So, yeah, pay your teachers, first of all. Yeah, right. Go to the story here. So, Ms. Coppage uh, issued a statement saying, I really didn't think it would be that big of an issue. The shop teacher is constantly posting videos of things getting drilled, and no one seemed to have a problem with it. Let's <laughs> <laughs> go, Jimmy. Go! Mm, double whammy, boys. <laughs> School officials noted that, in fairness to her, much more extensive research would need to be conducted on her videos before they could come to a conclusion. Much, much more extensive. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna need to take this research into <laughs> yeah, my office. Yeah, yeah. Like many of the stories she's had to grade over the years, her videos were a little short, lacked a clear storyline, and had an underwhelming climax. <laughs> I give them a C plus personally. Yeah. All right. <laughs> this one's this one's debatable. We'll go ahead yeah, and roll all, it anyway. They're all is, debatable. Uh, <laughs> that's, don't be ridiculous. This is banger material, and you know it, mm. my friend. Record-breaking astronaut Frank Rubio finally returns to Earth many, many weeks ago at this point. Yeah, this yeah. A very old story. Very old story. <laughs> <laughs> so NASA astronaut Frank Rubio has finally returned home at, uh, from a 371-day stay on the International Space Station a record by an American after being trapped there when his ride home was damaged. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Rubio commented that he hasn't become the, hasn't been subjected to that level of weightlessness. The side of his wife's claim that he's actually a closet Swifty. It's a pretty bad joke. It's a pretty yeah. bad joke. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to keep right so on moving funny. here. Rubio and two Russian cosmonauts had to be pulled from the capsule and carried away because they were unable to walk due to their extended stay in microgravity. Mm -hmm. The press asked him if his legs have ever felt that wobbly before, to which he replied, many times, bro. Chicks dig astronauts. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll allow that. I'll allow Alternate that. submission. Uh, my legs haven't felt that wobbly since the morning after I wore my NASA jacket to a sorority party. I was debating between the two. Neither yeah, it's that kind funny. of the same joke. And finally here, when I, I like asked how it felt style. to uh, be able to view the Earth from that perspective for so long, Rubio said, it's simply breathtaking, truly a sight to behold. Though it pales in comparison to the beauty of Uranus. <laughs> Nailed. Nailed Worst it. episode ever. <laughs> Thanks, comic book guy. And last but not least, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, the National Zoo is saying goodbye to China's famous pandas. Did uh -oh. you see this one? No. This one's kind of a bummer, yeah. Oh. So the Smithsonian's National Zoo is bidding farewell to its beloved giant pandas, which were on loan from China and are now being returned home and reunited with their relatives. Yeah. Mm. As expected, many were sad to see the pandas go, with one disappointed child saying, if you want to take something away from America that's black and white, 
couldn't you have picked something that no one cares about seeing anymore? Like Mariah Carey. And that, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, is yours. The Dangerville Podcast presents News of Ooh. the World. Ooh. No, Ooh. fuck that. Those oh, are bangers. Stop bring, Mariah Carey. Stop bring Mariah Carey into this. Oh, you know, <laughs> Mariah Carey is the finest joke that's ever been done on this year. If Mariah Carey propositioned yeah, me, I would say yes. And Mariah Carey makes me feel pretty funny in the pants reach. Oh, my God. Yeah, I love yeah. the holidays. Christmas yeah. is coming, boys. Mm. Oh, me too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, she's so fucking hot. And I'm going to say, I like the chunky Mariah Carey Dude, better than the thicker old, is thinner better. Mariah Carey. Thicker I mean. is better. A little 100%. extra meat on that. Part. I haven't seen her lately. I mean, like, she's still looking good. I mean, I'm sure she's still looking good. But. It's always nice when the weight lands in the right places, too. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, some people can just carry a little. And she's not obese by any means. Yeah. It's just a little extra thickness in all the right places. Oh, man. Mm, it's like, I'm 30 Carey. pounds overweight. Are you? Yeah. Are you? Yeah. We all appreciate it. Yeah. You're 30 pounds in all the right places. Sister. Dude, I worked at Starbucks for a, a big chunk of my life. And there was a girl I worked with. And, like, she was fucking thin as a rail when I worked with her. And then I ran into her a, a year or two ago. And, like, she had had a couple of kids. And I was like, holy shit. And I was like, dude, I was like, all the way you put on landed in the right spots and she's like thanks <laughs> I, was like, I was like you look fucking good <laughs> I was like you're so yeah. I was like oh my god some, was... some chicks just carry it real well man it just works she I think she has a little bit of like Latin in her oh yeah and so oh, like yeah. I feel like Latin women usually like if they put weight on it always lands in the right little spots big booty Latina action dude oh I couldn't be more of a sucker I'm gonna <laughs> take five real quick guys <laughs> I gotta get something out of me where's that bathroom at again <laughs> where's that I'm gonna go paint the walls these walls were actually dark brown before but now they're kind of a uh, creamy white <laughs> my bad i had a lot of pent up but had to get on out of me you know what i'm saying just a real big old mess you know just nothing too crazy <laughs> remember earlier i was talking about how i have no uh lines on my hand <laughs> i don't know if we were recording then <laughs> i'm confused in her eyes right now i'm not exactly sure what to say my favorite thing is like i say a lot of fucking weird shit to people and when like people tell me things I tell them I'm like and I don't remember half the things that I say like I had a band at the house and uh <laughs> and so the night before I didn't realize I was saying this to him I was like will you just rub my belly like I'm a cat <laughs> and so the next day we're like in the basement and I'm like micing up cabs and the one guitar player goes he's like hey he's like we rub my belly like a cat I was like oh dude that's fucking hilarious like, I've been saying that to people lately and he goes yeah you said that to me yesterday <laughs> I was like oh that's the best or I love it when I run into people I haven't seen in a long time they're like yeah it's like I remember you said this to me and it was super fucking weird and I was like, I, was like I don't remember saying it but that sounds like, like me. oh yeah I'm hilarious that's right because awesome. I just say a bunch of fucking stupid shit all the time there was this one time this is a great story we play with a band um, and so like when I shake people's hands I bring my middle finger yeah, in and I do the tickler yeah, yeah. and so like to me like that's a good tell to be like is this person cool to hang out with like do they have the same sense of humor I do or not and so this person 
I did that to him. I was like, hey, man, looking forward to playing with your band tonight. And I did that to his hands. He's like, what the fuck? And, just, and he, like, freaked out. And so, like, I didn't see him, like, the whole night he played. Like, didn't hang out. Didn't watch us play. And then some friends of ours played with his band quite a bit. And so, like, I'm really good friends with the band that he was playing with a lot. And I was like, I told him that story. And so he brought it up to the guy, and he's just like, hey, he's like, what do you think about those tiny tree guys? And he goes, well, the drummer seems pretty cool. He's like, I don't know about that guitar player. And he goes, what do you mean? He goes, I don't like being tickled. <laughs> and that was like years later. I thought that was so funny. You can tell a lot about the cut of a man's jib, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, it's so good. Are I remember a, like, there would be times where like, when I was doing sound, and there would be like a little bit bigger band that would come through and I would like meet their TM and all that shit. And I would like do that to him. Like, what the fuck, dude? And then be like, that's kind of funny. And, I'm like, yeah. and then it's like, if they got a kick out, I was like, oh, you're a good hang, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so sometimes they'd be like, okay. And they'd be like, oh, that's fucking hilarious. Right. <laughs> Were you a, a King of the Hill guy at all by chance? No. Okay, so great show, Mike Judge, Beavis yeah. and Butthead, Silicon Valley, number of other things, hilarious dude, great sense of humor, great taste. Great King of the Hill episode, so I assume you're kind of familiar with it, but it takes place oh, yeah. in Texas. Yeah. Ultra Republican, ultra old school, ultra Texan, and the guy you know votes Republican 100% of the time. So this is back in the day when George Bush Jr. is running for president, <laughs> and he's out at a speech or something. And Hank shakes his hand, <laughs> just you know, he says a couple words or whatever, shakes the hand, and Hank just goes, bull. <laughs> and then the whole thing is like he doesn't know if he can vote for him anymore because he's got a little bit of 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 a little when he came to my restaurant, I was like, hey, what's up, man? Great to meet you. And I, I shook his hand, and his hands were so pillowy soft. Like, they felt like lady hands. I was like, it just creeped me out. Like, his handshake was super limp. Never done a day of manual labor. Just like <laughs> yeah, this, and I'm just like, and then, like, shook his hand. It was like, his hands were like, they are like pillowy soft, no calluses, and super limp. And I was just like. Can't do it. I can't, can't do, do it, it brother. And it's like, it's so funny because it's like, it goes hand in hand. Where it's just like, I'm not a big fan of this person anyway. And then, like, shaking his hand, I was like, that just kind of, like. Drill the home. So I'm like, saying, you know, a man mm -hmm. by the handshake. Now, if you're fucking around and doing a little something, yeah, something, that's a different tickler, story. Dude. But a guy with a, a limp handshake, dude, that, that's a yeah, motherfucker. No. I can't trust one bit. This is weird. Shake a hand like a man, goddamn. Get, yeah. get that good vice grip. Some people they'll go the yeah. other way. They'll try to go fucking too hard it's with too the much. fucking can't thing. Do that. So they like, like break your hand. Like, yeah, come on, man. I get it, dude. You know, you're a firm, respectable. Yeah, you don't need to crush the other. Or the guys that do the over the hand. The that guy's up to no yeah, good. I don't yeah. know what that's all about. That guy's no. got ill intent. On yeah, the for sure. sure. <laughs> Salesman, he's going to sell you a used Toyota. <laughs> You're like, you got to watch out for those guys. That's yeah, a little too comforting there, boss. <laughs> yeah, so, no, I'm good Your on that, dude. hands are really but, warm. Yeah. I like it a little too Let's angry. take it back a couple notches. Yeah. Yeah, Speaking yeah. of notches. <laughs> Take me back, take me back. <laughs> oh, man. Man, I'm getting kind of fucking buzzed up on these fucking... Uh, I know, I like it. Moscow mule shit. <laughs> oh, yeah, it'll hit you. That yeah. vodka hits you. It's nice. Yeah, it kind of does, yeah. Like, it is kind of nice in a way. Like, I feel like uh, 
It's like a cleaner drunk or something. I've pretty much been drinking nothing but whiskey. I 100% think that's the case. And, like, you hear a bunch of people say, like, oh, it's all alcohol or whatever. I don't buy that one bit, man. Like, wine to me is a different drunk than is Mm -hmm. bourbon, than is vodka, and right on down the line. Totally agree. Each one has their own glorious and nuanced See, like, gin, like, we have people over at my house, and we're, like, hanging out. And, like, I have a... uh, the the bigger version yeti yeah and i'll make a g and t in that and i'll fucking knock one or two of those back super stiff and oh, i'll yeah. like and then i'll be fucking humming but it's real fucking clear where it's like i can still socialize i'm not a shit show yeah but yeah. then where there's like days i remember one time we had friends over at our house and i was drinking uh whiskey and ginger and i was just like i was shredded next mm-hmm. day i was a piece of shit where it's <laughs> yeah. like i can bounce back off of a fucking yeah. gin buzz well whiskey's got all that impurities in it from aging and barrels oh, yeah. with, oh, okay you know, it's all the fucking all the shit that, that gives it color and flavor and everything okay. is all impurity yeah it's all gonna be filtered out for me and that's what gives you a fucking bad hangovers and shit that's a son of a bitch mm-hmm. but it's still far superior it's delicious <laughs> it's I fucking so much better taste. i love whiskey yeah it's a price you gotta pay it really, is. Is really yeah. mm-hmm. there was a guy told me one time it's like you're borrowing fun <laughs> and I was yeah, like, yeah, dude. Yeah. Well, no, dude. you had something. It's like a your. It's like a bank account or whatever. It's like the same analogy. This is my methodology, yeah. and I'm either going to be proven a genius at 95, or like, yeah, that was an unfortunate Probably way not. to go Probably when I'm not. 45. But I look at it like a checking account, right? Like, and it's a system of deposits and withdrawals. And for every withdrawal you make, i.e., getting shit faced or whatever, mm-hmm. you got to make some good deposits in there. So I'm trying to you know, exercise, get exercise, food, fucking berries, vegetables, antioxidants, all that kind of shit. So I'm yeah. hoping this new equation is going to be the way mm-hmm. to go. And I'm going to be proven a genius in my old age as opposed to Have you tested this theory yourself? Years. The liver's still going good, baby. Got some blood <laughs> tests going. Look at this kind specimen of, uh, before you, you know. I'm quite breathtaking a bit. when you get right down to it. But. Now that you say that, uh, um, so yeah, I'm not going to lie. I had some uh, little hot under the collar moments going into the last blood <laughs> test. I'm like, so it's going to test the liver stuff too, right? And he's like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, look at how thick your hair is. Shakes, son. Tip top shit. Yeah, see, exactly. Yeah, you got, got nice, the fucking full thick, head of hair. Luscious hair. Mm-hmm. This is going to be Good a song, Jack right? Lalane juicing style health <laughs> revelation years from now, dude. I at one point in my life, I did own a Jack Lalane juicer. Hell yeah, dude. Juicing's where it's at. I tried juicing for a minute. I don't know who that is, though, but we we bought the fucking Jack thing. Jack Lalane? We saw some fucking oh, movie. We watched some fucking Dude, he swam across the English Channel. Oh, Jack okay. Lalane's a bad motherfucker. Yeah. He's the juicing, insert, huh? like, 90-year-old guy. Ah, uh, okay. Shape, okay. Gotcha, He's, like, gotcha. the He's probably fucking guy, yeah. banging 21-year-old like girls. spent, bucks on some fucking yeah. juicer thing. Used it like twice. <laughs> this like sucks, dude. Like. <laughs> it's such a great idea in theory. My brother gave me like a really top of the line one. And I was like, oh, yeah. show us. I got it home. I was like, nah. It's such. It was such There's a pain so in the ass, dude. Clean and everything. Yeah. And we're just like, yeah. I'll just go ahead and buy some juice from. Plus, like, if you it. just drink juice, you like actually don't get a lot of the fucking health benefits of like eating fruit. Like, it takes all the fiber and shit out of it. And, oh like, yeah. The sugar processes differently and shit. So like, if you like all the sugar, like you're just like it doesn't. I don't, I don't know. I'm no expert, but it fucking like doesn't bind to the fiber right and yada yada yep. so you like just take yeah. all the sugar instead of like shitting it out like you should and like do you know who uh, joey diaz is yeah oh yeah 
So you cocksucker. Yeah, Uncle Joey. (laughs) So like, so I did Weight Watchers, and um, there was an episode where he's talking about eating a banana. If you have a banana smoothie. Which what you're talking about before, like the fibers. If you eat a banana, it's maybe one point. But if you blend a banana, it's yeah. eight points because yeah. it breaks up the fiber. Because yep. when you eat a banana, the sugars attached to the fiber and go yeah. through your system. You versus yep. no, what yep. you're saying is exactly right because yep. like eating you heard fruit. Heard from Joey Diaz. <laughs> yeah, he's like, <laughs> well, like four hundred pounds. <laughs> so, but like like when I was doing Weight Watchers, I, I fucking plugged it in. I was like raw <laughs> banana or like banana smoothie, and like the points go up because the sugars are broken up. Yep. and they hit your body differently. Where yep. it's like. That's why eating fruit in its in natural yep. state, there's the fibers in it and it goes through your system. See, that's yeah, I, I, ne- I never knew if that was a real thing or not because I it's know real. that like orange juice and shit's bad because it's got yeah, I can't drink amounts of juice. sugar, but yeah. I assume that was because like it takes ten thousand oranges to make a glass yeah. of orange juice, you know, ergo it's, it's that, more it's sugar too, because but, of more oranges. But yeah, that No, was, it's just fucking pure yeah. sugar, dude. Like if I drink orange juice, I'll be fucked up. I was a fucking orange juice degenerate. Like, I would crush one of those Simply's, one of those big motherfuckers. Oh, yeah. yeah. Two days to be that gone, dude. I finally right. had, I had to get off. Yeah. <laughs> too much sugar. I had to wean myself off the Simply's. What's going on, <laughs> man? Dude, I'm on day two of the orange juice, man. I'm at the methadone clinic. Yeah. Like, let me get a little Minimate at least. Like, yeah. come, on, come on, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Taking so, road trips to Florida. Screwdriver. Shit, you know? <laughs> dude, my brother and I used to live and die by fucking pop off an orange juice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Call, we call no li, uh, Nikolai. We used to say we're living the lie with Nikolai. Ooh, Nikolai. Yeah. You could get a fucking fifth for nine bucks. Yeah, yeah. We used to fucking do some work on those. Yeah. And then, so you know Jay Ingersoll. Oh yeah. So uh, when I lived in Muskegon, like I used to buy these uh, the Gallo or Carl Rossi gallon wine jugs. And oh yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that big, gallows, yeah, and yeah, we used yeah, to yeah, just fucking yeah. put yeah. that shit down. Ooh, yeah. And so Jay was just like, just like, remember when I was at Charleston, we got super fucking wine drunk. I was like, oh, I remember now. But like, we used to play this game where like. You'd have to chug wine until the next breakdown of a song. <laughs> and we would just get fucking Jesus hammered off of fucking yeah. drinking the big sangria yeah, yeah, gallon yeah. jugs. Well, we used to do that too, but fucking the brand they had uh, down in Kalamazoo at the time was it was called Little Penguin. Little Penguin, dude. Little Penguin, dude. Little we would get these big, the big bottle of fucking Little Penguin. It was like yeah. $9, like you said. <laughs> and we'd get some cheap steaks and we'd fucking grill them on my little shitty grill and just be fucking pounding Little Penguin. The best. Oh. The best. There's nothing better than yeah. being wine. Those are, I'm still yeah. a huge days, wine. Yeah. I don't drink dude, that the type wine of shit anymore, is, but I love a good wine mm-hmm. buzz, bro. Dude, like mm. you were saying the before, like the drums bad, are different. Yeah. See, I don't get that much of the hangover. The wine hangover. I, I got to say, I don't get much of a hangover in general. My biggest lucky, thing is man. I feel very sleepy, but I think that's usually because I'm up late as a motherfucker. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just the I'm sleep just portion. Produced. My body is fucking man-made to pound booze, gentlemen. That's, Indeed. I definitely think that's a genetic thing because I have a buddy of mine who uh, um, went, so Rebel Pies, the last restaurant, he like when he was running the restaurant, um, he was a fucking flawless alcoholic. This dude yeah. could drink IPAs yeah. like they were fucking water, and you would never. And he'd be like, "Yeah, dude, I was shit faced." I was like, "Yeah, I couldn't tell." <laughs> it's like your yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. work was impeccable. Yeah. yeah, and then it's just like he could just day drink all day long. It's like, dude, if I day drink, it's just like there's a gonna be a nap. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And then it's just yeah. like I'm gonna have to drink a fucking yeah. gallon of water and yeah. then yeah. get back online. But it's just like you yeah. could fucking. He's just like, yeah, I can knock a thirty rack down. I'm nah, like, man. well, I'm like, how the fuck? Yeah. 
Some people just have that genetic yeah, wiring, man. which yeah. I think is you. I just fucking can't, dude. Even like we got into, and I still love fucking Bloody Marys, but like you yeah. know, we we'd go on, on Sunday or Saturday or whatever and brunch and Bloody Marys and food and whatever, and like we'd always joke like, oh, it just fucking ruins our whole day though, yeah. because like eventually it's like, oh, we're definitely taking a nap, and then you feel like shit, and yep. then it's fucking like. Uh, there's the definitely the a difference day. between the day drinking hangover and the next morning hangover. Yeah, it's like day yeah, drinking, yeah. dude. That shit will get me too. Like when we were chilling out at the pool, baking oh, out yeah. in the sun all day. Dude. Oh, in the sun, crushing those sure, trulies. Yeah. I love that right shit out, though. Yeah. But, but yeah, that shit fucks me up. But I get, ain't no I get drunk like a day drunk, gentlemen. <laughs> kind of the pretty best. bad. Kind of I'm a fucking lightweight in all things, though, dude. Any drugs, uh, any even coffee, caffeine, whatever. That's the one I don't get with you, man. Such a lightweight dude i'm super sensitive to caffeine dude really yeah, yeah. It sucks. oh shit no you don't dude it sucks yeah but like it's to the point where i've got to drink like a fucking french press of coffee just to be a normal human like yeah. i don't get coffee amped up like it's not like whoa i'm ready to go oh like, man I'm, just, like, I'll be I'm borderline jittering and my stomach gets fucked up and i gotta eat because my stomach brother like, i've been telling you this guy takes some l-theanine it fucking yeah. balances out the negative effects of that so. yeah, indeed, oh, shit. indeed dropping some health knowledge over here today indeed. i like it that's what, yeah. what i do i feel yeah, like I just, my time at starbucks has desensitized me to yeah. the effects of of coffee yeah. towards just like yeah. and plus i'm adhd so it's like whenever i get uppers it just levels me out right where it's like so like when we're on the road like paul has an adderall prescription and so like we have long stretches my favorite time is like when we're playing a show taking out all five o'clock when we're loading in and then, like, when we're playing, it fucking hits. Right, and then I have right. enough juice in the tank to make that next drive either home or to the next venue yeah, hotel. Yeah. But it's just like being a fucking, you know, mm. space case. If I drink a bunch of fucking energy drinks, I just level out. Oh, that's, see, that's uh, so Fucking wild. energy drinks yeah. fuck me up, man. I've only done Adderall, like, twice. That's it's my like, fucking shit. It, I like, had a prescription for a while, but I was like, this is too much work. I survived most of my life without it, so fuck it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> People love that shit, but uh, awesome. I don't do well on, like, I'm so sensitive to shit. I don't do well on any kind of, like, upper, any kind of speed. Yeah. I mean, I've done a bunch of shit, you know, but, like, you know, it's it can be fun, but it's not my favorite. I think part of it is I fucking love to sleep too much. <laughs> it's like all I really want to do in life is go to sleep. You yeah. Know? So yeah. like, I don't want to be up for twenty four hours. Fucking, you know. All that does out of suck my mind. if you take it and then you can't fall asleep <laughs> yeah. and then you're in this halfway point. Yeah. yeah. That sucks. Yeah, yeah, and then you try and like calm shit. it down by smoking weed or something. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep, yep. I'm but, always, I'm still like a night owl, and I love staying up real, real late. But I've been getting back to being very excited about sleeping. I'm starting to dream again. So the last yeah. of months, dude, really pumped for the fucked up dreams. I oh have. man, like dude, you know what I had the best fucked up dreams? Awesome. The first time I quit smoking, I took Chantix. And I had the most oh, vivid, oh, fucked yeah, up dream. Yeah. The, the, the dream that sticks out the most is the band I was in before, Tiny Tree. We were, the dream was we were at the practice space and our buddy's girlfriend came by and we murdered her <laughs> and he, he was about to show up. That wasn't a dream. That was a, <laughs> that you were, was a dream. You were on Chantix. <laughs> That really happened. That, uh, when was the last time we talked to her? She's, she's not around, is she? <laughs> she's still posting online? <laughs> Dude, it was like, it was so fucking real. And I was what kind like, of oh. Yoko was this, by the way? That that's the fucking uh, in your subconscious? <laughs> no, she was actually really fucking cool. Like, she had the same sense of humor as me. So, like, when you come to shows, like, she's a lot of fun to hang out with. But, yeah, we fucking killed her. 
and then we were trying to hide the body before her boyfriend showed up and that was it was so real it was like holy shit yeah. and i remember my father-in-law took chantix i was like oh dude you getting the fucked up dreams like yeah i don't look forward to sleep i was like dude i look forward to going to sleep oh, every yeah. single night oh, i say yeah. to my wife i was like yeah. let's see what i get into yeah. tonight <laughs> that's how i am all the time boys i dream crazy dreams always oh, that's awesome. every night i can lucid dream it's full color wild wild shit every single dreams and it's many dreams every night and when i quit smoking weed it gets even more intense yeah oh yeah uh, but even with it doesn't matter whatever substance i'm on it's dreams like fucking crazy every night see i either like wasn't dreaming or couldn't remember them for years and i didn't know about that yeah. until you were telling me about it. and they kind of happened incidentally right mm -hmm. just like backed off the weed for the mm -hmm. most part and was like oh the dreams came back and it's fucking dope dude yeah yeah alcoholism uh, too that's why fucking uh if you're like a, a legit alcoholic, like mm -hmm. a legit alcoholic, mm -hmm. yeah, well, mm -hmm. that's probably more than anything. <laughs> that's why he, he goes, <laughs> you guys remember fucking like the old cliche was uh, drunks would see the pink elephant in the room. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the old fucking. Well, the reason why that is, is what they're actually talking about is it's because you don't dream. And if you don't dream at all for long enough, that starts happening in your waking state. Uh, so that's why you start seeing shit conscious reming yeah wow. i used to yeah. say that about so paul that i play with like he doesn't sleep worth a shit and is a space case a lot and so i'd be like dude you're conscious reming right now or like <laughs> because it would be like we'd have the same conversation over and over and they would say things you see things i was like dude i think you're reming while you're talking to me right now where the fuck's he at we're trying to fucking get he's, him over he's probably on the road right now so like because he started playing with jesse jesse ray okay um, I, I so his, his band's called jesse ray and the carolina catfish okay cool and so paul yeah. started playing with jesse and so it's like tiny tree kind of got backburned a little bit right. but the nice thing about that band is he can actually make money in that band wow, so yeah that's nice yeah so it's like unfortunately like yeah. the music we play and i even said to him was like man i wish the music we played was like people liked yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> welcome welcome to my world too yeah. Yeah. well we fucking uh I, i've only met him once so i've been friends with him on facebook forever but we did that show with you guys if you remember or don't at mulligans you remember talking about this yeah yeah uh, I, I do this band quote-unquote band called long after midnight and we did this thing at mulligans and you guys played but uh he came out when we were loading out and he's like apparently he's one of my good old buddies nephews like my friends his uncle or some shit like that <laughs> and so he like he was like who is that george naughton oh his, yeah that's his uncle you know, uncle george, george. Yeah. yeah so yeah. he goes he comes out and he's like so you're ross morgan huh? and i'm like yes you know <laughs> i'm like kind of like the fuck and he's like um i'm paul jensen we you know and i'm like okay i know you online or whatever and he's like yeah my uncle talks about you all the time and i'm like Wait, <laughs> like who the fuck's your uncle, dude? Like this is weird as fuck. But he's he's a good friend of mine. We used to work together, me and this dude George. So George is cool. Yeah. yeah, we. I, I I've adopted calling him Uncle George too. Yeah, George is the man. Yeah, yeah. Like he's gonna come guy. on the podcast. I've been trying to get him over here. He's fucking hilarious, man. But yeah, we did that show. We only done a couple shows with that band, and fucking like it was like a Thursday night. Yep. There was nobody there. Yeah. It was our first time performing with that thing ever. So we were like, we want to go on first, and uh, 
we're just such fucking old men and a couple of the guys are from Lansing and they were like we gotta go <laughs> and so we just like left during your set so I don't even get to see you guys play which sucks now because I'm like fuck no I wish I would have actually like, <laughs> stayed around and fucking watched but they were like alright we gotta go so like we were just like alright I guess we're leaving <laughs> yeah 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 because the, the headlining band was from uh, Detroit yeah I think so yeah it was some kind of crazy goth band or something I yeah they weren't bad yeah I can't remember what they were called I but uh i know dude had like full corpse paint going so. yeah and like <laughs> like he looked kind of weird but then yeah. i talked to him i was like oh he's actually kind of yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, he's a cool guy yeah. i think that's why he found us because uh you know there's not a ton of like industrial like whatever kind of things going oh yeah on or whatever so like we're probably one of the only ones around grand rapids so yeah like, yeah we'll come out and do it we had to like find a guitarist to like do the gig you know and shit like that yeah but, yeah man i miss fucking Part of me is like I really miss fucking playing, and another part of me is like I really don't. <laughs> Dude, it's you know? it's a it's a grass is greener thing because yeah. like if I had to choose one or the other, it's like I would choose making records. But like, yeah, we haven't played a show. Like we had a like earlier this year, we were super busy playing a ton, and then um, Paul started playing a ton with Jesse, and then like that I was doing like I've been really busy doing records this year, and so then. It kind of like sits it out, but like now I'm at the point where I'm like kind of chomping. I'm like, man, I want to fucking play a show. Yeah. Do you I think play a show. like preferring to do the producing stuff is that a function of like you truly enjoy it more, or is it just like this is easier and I can do it in my underwear at my home and not have to go through the whole pomp? And That's part of it for me, playing, for sure. I, I I love it. I love interacting with bands. Um, I love connecting and making art because I feel like. When, you know, especially like when you're tracking a record, the engineering of it is like, there's so much in my mind, it's like you're, 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 you're building the house because it's like 99% of the records captured in tracking and how you track the records, how the record's going to sound. And so like, that's, that's a challenge in and of itself towards like that is really entertaining to me where that like embodies all the things I'm interested in is like be between like the mic choice, mic placement, you know, everything where it's just like, what are the building blocks that I'm going to create for the tone of this record? And a big thing for me is like preserving the identity of the band because like, if it's like, this is how you sound, I need to do everything in my power to make sure that you sound like you, uh -huh. you know, it's just like, it's not like, that's that's really important to me so like that's like that's always i love that challenge of being like okay and, and ideally whenever i work with a band i try and catch a live show to be like okay what is the feeling that i'm feeling when i'm mm -hmm. watching you okay. as a band like i remember the so the band arsenal i've done, done two records for them and the first time i played with them they reached out to me and um the guitar player was like hey i feel like you'd really get our music and he sent me a couple videos and I was like, well, hey, we're trying to get to Indiana. I was like, let's play some shows together. So we did a power weekend with them. So I had three shows of playing with this band. So then we played three shows, and the following week they came in and did their records. So I was just like, okay, now I know the impact that I felt as a listener, and now it's up to me to capture that. Right, and like right. that to me is like, it's really exciting. I like <laughs> it, it. That is 
super entertaining. That's I, bad. Is that I a love common that. thing that people do, like try to catch bands live? Yeah, either? producers, like okay. especially like in the upper echelons sure. for sure. They'll, I mean, not only that, but they'll be at rehearsals and like going through everything. Right. Yeah, right. yeah okay. when, when you can, that's the way to do it. Yeah. Do you try to track like a lot? Do you do like stuff like, is it like drums and bass together? Is everybody playing together? Are you overdubbing everything? Is it what, you know? You, so just depend? the way I like to do it is, so start with drums. I'll record the drums, but I'll have all the instruments instruments together to play yeah. together. If they choose to do a click, a click will be in there. If mm-hmm. not, then the whole band's together and I have scratch guitar bass. And if they okay. want vocals, vocals, yeah. keep the drums uh, and then and move then, on from yeah. there. Okay. Yeah. Because it's like, it just is, is way more natural because like you write together as a band, you perform together as a band. It just seems unintuitive to all of a sudden deconstruct the entire process that the artist is familiar with by mm-hmm. being like, nope, play by yourself. Or you're like, well, I'm not used to playing by myself. Right. Where it's just like, and then plus that that plays into feel, vibe, and energy. Because if you don't get those things right, a record's not going to land. If you, even if the tones are flawless, if the yeah. feel isn't there, the record's never going to land. Because like you got to think about the everyday listener. The everyday listener is like, oh, that song really grabs me. Why does that song grab you? Energy, feel, vibe. It's just like not everybody thinks like the engineer producer is just like, oh, those tones are flawless. No one gives a shit what it sounds like. It's like I could play something for my wife. She's just like. Oh, that song's neat. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, did you hear how good that snare sounds? She's like, I don't fucking know what a good snare drum is supposed to yeah, sound like. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. either going to grab you or it's not. Right, or it's just right. like, that's what I always lean back to is like, feel. Is the feel right? Is mm-hmm. the feel right? Is the feel right? Is the feel right? Because the feel, if the feel is right, the tone will follow. If the feel is right, the tone will follow. If the take is right, the tone will follow. Yeah. Those things go hand in hand. Yeah. The performance is king. Performance always. always 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I was trying to describe earlier with my cell phone analogy is that yeah. the, cell, the performance is king. It, it, you know, it sounds like shit on your cell phone, but why is this more intriguing than something else? Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's the, the energy, the vibe that's created. So try, trying to recreate that. When I did live sound, I remember like watching a band play and I was like, oh, this band just blew me away. I go up there, I buy their CD. When I'm leaving, going home, put the CD, <laughs> the CD on. Sucks. And I was like, yeah. this is really deflating. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so it's like, so that was something that just stuck with me. It's like, I need to make sure that when I'm making records that the artist translates to the listener so that when right. you listen to the record, you're like, oh man. And then when you go catch the band live, you're like, oh wow it's just like it's like the record mm-hmm. but even more mm-hmm. it's like that that to me is is crucial and like every once in a while i'll get a i'll, I'll get an artist like my brother specifically my brother is a fucking grid junkie mm-hmm. and um and i will fight him tooth and nail he's just like he's like well that hits off i was like is that head off because you know it's off? Because like if you just listen to it, it's not off. Right, right, it's like right. if you look at the grid, okay, yeah, it's just a little bit here or there. But it's like the feel is right. And he goes like, no, but it's driving me nuts. I was like, okay. But he grew up <laughs> yeah. on that, you know, the era where the grid was yeah. king and sound replacer was coming in. Like that's all the music he grew up on. So it's like he's used to super grid flawless edits to the grid yeah, and all that yeah. stuff. And there's there's a happy medium towards yeah. like if a band's tracking without the grid, then it's like I edit to the kick and snare. Right. You know, line right. everything up. It's like if something's genuinely off, but it's just like if I close my eyes and I'm listening to the music and I'm just mm-hmm. paying attention to the music and if something stands out, then I'll make that adjustment. But if it's not standing out, then it's like just leave it alone. And that to me, like that's king. It's just like to me, like what like making records has gotten to the point where it's just like 
as I've evolved, it's just like I do less because it's just like if I capture things well, then I do things less and just let the artist be the artist. Because I also feel like there's one band specifically that I worked with where I captured them and mixed them and it was very challenging. The band was not so great. But then I've run sound for them, and they were impossible to dial in their sound. They weren't that great. And they went on to do more records with another producer who auto-tuned, timed them to perfection. Yeah. And I'm just like, this is lying to the listener. Because if you listen to the record, like, oh, these yeah. guys are incredible. Then you go watch them play, you're like, these guys are fucking yeah, 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 yeah. And so like, to me, I'm like, there's, there's a middle ground. But then, like, I also feel like... You know, I learned from my buddy who um, is a fine home builder who actually opened the restaurant with. And he was just like, if you set, he's like, when I set my rates higher, I got better clients. And yeah. so I have my rates higher, but the people that, like the thing that I've learned is like my rates are higher, but I've also learned how to work on shoestring budgets. So I work fast. Mm -hmm. So it's just like my rates are higher, but I'm still making records cheaper than I was fucking five years ago. But uh -huh. it's just like, but then it scares people away. It's like, Oh man, it costs that much money. It's just like, well, it's not that much money if you're prepared yeah, and know yeah. your parts. I know. And it, yeah. But then yeah, that, right, that filters out right. a lot of the riffraff of people who uh -huh. are not ready to like seriously, yeah, you know, yeah. work on a record. A lot of people don't understand what, what it actually takes to work on a record. In yeah. Any, in any capacity you know yeah like it's like no it's a fucking lot of work like you know, yeah even when you got your shit and you are ready it's a fucking lot of work you yep know? it's you just know? that that's so interesting like that balance of not making it like a phony artificial thing for the listener but also making it sound good right that, that's yeah. a mm -hmm. fucked up balance yeah. like i feel like it's an i don't know it's a weird thing it's incumbent upon the band to be able to play their own shit but at the same time, like if you're the one producing it, it's you're, kind of you're your trying job to make, to make yeah, it sound yeah, as yep, you know as yeah. good as it can. But also, like, yeah, what they want, really you know, it's yeah. yeah. It's, I thought I wish Auto Tune bad. and some of these other tools didn't exist, you know, and uh, because it is fucking a lie, and uh, people can make all this stuff, and like, yeah, it's like now there's no like you don't know because everything's fake, so like you can't just be like this singer's better than another or you know or whatever this this band is better than another band or whatever because it's like yeah a lot of it is all fucking fake so it's like it could a great be. set of implants you know even if they look and feel <laughs> indiscernible to the real thing like where do you draw the line when you get down to it you know? i think it comes down to like um the biggest thing that like i do when i'm working with the band is a pay attention to how they talk Pay attention to what grabs their attention. It's like, oh, I love that. Oh, I love that. And then dog ear that for when it comes to, to, to like mixing. It's just like, oh, this is their taste. And then also aligning with their expectations. Yeah. Where it's just like the, the artist will organically vocalize, oh, that's a good take. Like, okay. Because like if I'm like, then I gauge how hard I want to push them, especially a vocalist. To where like a vocalist where it's just like they may say, oh, that's fucking great. Or they may say, this is trash. And I was like, no, that's actually good. And then the other thing too is just like tracking artists is is to me more psychology than it is performance. Because yeah. you want to lift people up. You want to make them feel good because when they feel good, because especially singing, it's 100% it's oh, head. Yeah. Oh, and dude. if you yeah. lift them up and start 
building them up as a vocalist towards just like you capture that through performance and then performance leads to better takes, especially like sibilance on like mic, mic technique and performance where like the way the artist projects material, you're like, okay, you nailed that. But it's like, if you could say the word this way, then you're going to, that's going to a sound better. That's going to, it's going to, it's going to translate more effectively because performance will lead to a better take, which lead to a better outcome, you know, shit in, shit out. And so like, I think like that's, that's the bigger key where it's like not so much auto tune exists and it's a very helpful tool. But like, if you can, if you have a vocalist that is open to being pushed to that next level, be like, just sing that phrase and then comping a take, then you can get it to that spot where it's just like, oh, I didn't have to do that because I was able to chop some words together to make that take correctly, so to speak. Where it's like they sang it, but you're just putting in the way that they sing it kind better. Of to that point, like how do you handle it personally when like are there instances when you feel like a take is really great and you really like it and they feel like it's dog shit or vice versa, they think they nailed it and you're just like, no, that ain't it. Like <laughs> how much are you kind of pushing them in your direction versus ceding to what they are digging? Like how do you handle all that? If it's let's say like I think it's crap. They think it's great. I was like, I was like, do one more. I said, give it, yeah. th- give it this. Uh, or if they think it's, or if, or if I think it's great and they think it's dog shit, then I'll just keep the take that I think is great and don't tell them. Yeah. That's, you know, and like, it, it's a psychology game because like, this is a story that Jesse told me when he was working at a studio. Artists sang a vocal, like, I can, and the, and the, and the engineer was like, no, that was fucking perfect. And so it was a, it was a tape studio in town. Do the math. Um, Singer tracked it, and they're like, oh, that was way better. And he played it back for them. They're like, oh, see, I told you I sang it better. He's like, that was last take. It's a, it's a, it's a head game where it's like mm-hmm. a lot of times bands will be like, okay, you have enough there to work with. And I'll listen to it. It's like, this takes fucking dope, and I'll commit. And then I'll play it back for them. It's like, yeah, this is fucking great. And I was like, yeah, that's the vocal day that you said you sang like shit. Interesting. Like, okay. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a mental game because it's like if I'm telling you this is fucking dope, then your preconceived energy is like, this is yeah. fucking dope. Then you're like, oh, yeah, this is great. And then you listen to it, you're like, yeah, this is fucking great. I was like, yeah, this is the take you said was shit. Well, and I've got to imagine it's a thing, too, because with something like that, like you're putting yourself out there so much, like specifically as a singer. Right? Yeah. Like, and maybe that's just how I'm wired. But even like back in the day, like choir in fucking middle school or yeah. whatever, like it's a difficult thing to do. You're fucking bearing your soul. Yeah. And I've got to imagine like by proxy of that, if you're having a bad day or you're feeling Mm. down or feeling like you're a piece of shit for some other reason, that probably filters into your perception of like your performance on that day. Totally. Regardless of whether or not it's actually the case. Right. That that's actually dude, that, that happens to be all the time to where like a band will come in. Like I remember this one band I work with this fall and the, we finished tracking all the instruments and then Sunday was vocal day and they went out to a show the night before and ended up hanging out with a girl mm. till the wee hours of the morning. They came in, they tracked vocals and a lot of them were good. And he's like, Hey, can I come back? And I was like, yeah. And that's the end of what works out really well too. Is like the other thing I've learned is like this have, this has happened many times where it's like the whole bands in the room, AKA the peanut gallery, 
the vocalist is doing their thing. It's like challenging to do vocals because yeah, it's fucking embarrassing to mm-hmm. track vocals. And then you have the whole band there pitching in, it's like, oh, sing it this way. Oh, that was good. This to this. So you got all that. But then as a vocalist, you're just like, I just need a second to fucking figure out what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, where it's like sometimes it works out so much better just to have me and the vocalist working together. I'm like, yeah. that was fucking dope. Yeah. Do this. That's a big yeah. thing is get everybody out of the room that doesn't need to be there. Yes. You know, I've worked with producers, quote unquote, that were just like terrible with working with vocalists and everything that we're talking about. It's like, this is like, yeah, the first couple of takes might not have been happening, but I'm not even warmed up, but they're just fucking like, this sucks and whatever, you know, and it's like, and that just ruins the whole vibe. And it's like, you can never get there. You yep. know, it's like, yep. I'm aware it's not great right now, but we need to like, you know, keep the vibe up. And it's hundred like, percent vibe is, is crucial. Like there's like, I worked in sales for a, a handful of years. And the thing I learned is like, as soon as you inject the word no into a situation, the energy changes, even if you say no in a positive way. Yeah. Like, it's learning how to say no by saying yes. Because it's like, to me, it's, it's, it's crucial to me to be like constantly optimistic and uplifting. Because as soon as I inject the word no, or if my body language communicates yeah. anything other than optimistic and excited, then the energy is going to degrade mm-hmm. in the space and the performance it's is going to minimize. Yes, and. Thing sure when yeah you're talking with people mm-hmm. it's like yes and this and build on that rather than you know like yeah that's fucking bullshit this is the way to go it's yeah and that's way. that was the thing that like i i really pushed myself to perfect when i was running my restaurant was just like if an employee came to me as like hey we should do this i was like you know that's a great idea but i see us doing more like this and it's like there's some elements that are, are great so i'm like no that's fucking dumb yeah. There's, you know, there's ways to, to encapsulate the excitement and motivation from the individual of what they want to accomplish, but then also be like, that's great. But what if we looked at it this way or something like that to where it's like ways to say no by saying yes. Yeah. And like, and especially with text messaging being a way that we, we communicate often is like, I push myself to respond and where I could just say, nah, Say 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 that whole sentence without ever saying a no in there, mm. because that will change the tone. Like I remember yeah. listening to phone calls because I was uh, in on call. I worked for Apple, and I was like, "You call one hundred my Apple." That was me. And if someone calls, I remember one instance we were listening to phone calls while we were training, and someone was like, "Oh, should I get that?" It's like, "No, you don't really need that." And it's just like, "Yeah, that was harmless." But then the whole energy of the call changed. Just like, you know, that's a really great thing, but I I see this being more appropriate for you. I didn't say the word no. Yeah. And so like, to me like that, like I see my position being so much more as the cheerleader to excite people to be a comfortable. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah. that's crucial. Mm, you know, yeah, it's, it's like, huge. I feel like a big reason why I've been so fortunate to have so much work. I'm like, I'm, I'm working on my like 71st or 72nd record, Dang, you know, it's awesome. like, but like people like being in the space. Cause it's like, I'm a pretty, upbeat guy right yeah. you know like my brother's band was in town there from indianapolis and the guitar player goes man i really wish i could be as upbeat as you it was just like we're making music this is exciting yeah, like, you know yeah, this is great yeah. this is what i live for this, yeah. is, this is this is fantastic it's like i love the music you're producing your guitar riffs are great and they're like man i think this is shit i'm like no 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 no. that's awesome that's really great and i'm like what don't you like about that you're like i don't like this well let's get it yeah you know i was like okay i yeah, think you- it's fucking awesome you approach it that way because like that the soft skill aspect of that stuff's got to be so fucking critical, it's, man. Like, it's literally almost the whole thing. The, the psyche <laughs> like anybody can like, learn yeah. to like the gear 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I've worked with some people that were like really good at like the gear, yeah. but were terrible at dealing with the you people. You got to be able to bring yeah. out of the yeah. people. You got to yeah. get the, and like it, that shit can just shatter so mm-hmm. quickly, man. Yeah. Like you hear no a handful Especially of times and it's singers, like, you just go into shutdown mode for yeah. And yeah. everybody's wired differently, but like, that's a pretty consistent thing, you know, when you're yeah. getting, you just slapped work. in the face all the time. It's pretty hard to stand back up and keep yeah. doing your thing. You, you work know? the gear in the background. Yeah. You work the people. Mm-hmm. You keep yeah. people excited. And then mm-hmm. it's like I like to run 10-hour days. I do 10 to 8, which is my, like, staple session. And, like, that makes days go by really quickly, you know, because it's like then everyone leaves really excited. I feel like almost every time I've done a record where bands come in, they're like, we had no idea it was going to come out this good. And we're like... I'm like, the only reason it sounds good is because of you. I'm just putting mics on it. You know, like, you know, if a band sounds good, it's like, that's not me. It's just like, you know, I've spent the time to understand how to mic things in a way that's pleasing to my ear. And then when a band's like, this sounds so fucking incredible. I'm like, you played it. Yeah. I'm like, that's, I mean, that's not me. That's you. It's just like, I remember when I worked with a band called Slug Child and they were, we've tracked all the drums and we started laying guitar and they're like, Oh my God, that sounds amazing. I was like, no, that's just a testament to how good you are as a band. And then when they walk out the door, like, yeah, I fucking crushed that. Bro. Yeah. And, <laughs> it's all me. And, you know, it's it's like, I'm going to get like, <laughs> check out the band slug child. First and foremost, I edited none of the drums. So just listen to that band. The drummer is that fucking tight. The guitar player is that fucking tight. Like I edited none of that shit. Nice. I reinforced the kick and snare. That's it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've had to make a lot of records where it's a bit the other way. It's like, yeah, this was kind of garbage until fucking I got in there and actually made it into something by sure. editing it and doing it. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Which, which is a bit of a shame. And that's what you're just talking about, where it's like, how do you balance that of like, I don't know, like it is kind of lying to the. But at but, the end of the day, man, like, and I don't know, I'm looking at this from afar, but. Like, hopefully, first of all, it's incumbent upon the band to be able to play their own fucking stuff and yeah. not suck dick, right? Yeah, that would be helpful. But That's as a, start. a producer, like, again, your job is to make it sound good, yep. right? So if they suck ass and they're paying yep. you to make it, like, yep. you kind of got to do what you got to do to make it <laughs> good. You can make good, shitty sound really right? good, though. Yep. Yeah. There's, I mean, like, I think that, that kind of boils down to, like, if, if a band is less than, then it boils down to me to get them to at least perform less than in an exciting way because like there's one band I just tracked and the guy had done all his records previously and he's he was you know click track editing to the grid flawlessly and I told him I was like I'm a vibe chaser I'm like so we, we bartered some stuff and so we tracked everything I had edited nothing I sent him the fucking faders up mix and I was like just so you have it as a reference and he listened to it and he goes and we we just reconnected recently and he goes you know what I listen to it now and he's like I hear nothing that bothers me uh, at you know? the time yeah. And, there's, yeah and that's the other thing I've you know that's bitten me too is like when I send all the faders out mix after tracking that a band will sometimes be so enamored with that mix I was like I haven't even done anything yet yeah. where they fall in love with something oh uh, yeah Demo and then I'll be like I was like just give me a chance let me let me let me expedite the vision and then let's we'll, we'll meet in the middle because 99% of the time, you know, faders up mixes is, is, is what the record will sound like. Whatever you track, like that's the sound of the record. You can't change that. Yeah. You know, and so like that's, you know, you track it, that's the tone of the record. And then mixing to me is just really just gluing everything together and make sure everything translates, like especially making sure the energy translate a big part's big, a small part's small. Um, but like you can excite less than 
I think is, is, is really the biggest thing where it's like, if you have a band coming in, it's not so confident about something, you build them up and you get them to perform something, um, effectively, it's like, you know, this is great. You know, like the tones are there. This, it's like, we can work with this. This is awesome. And it's, it's psychology. It's so much psychology. It's not less than it's less. And less. And <laughs> yeah, there you go. Trademark. But I think a, another thing too, is like, you know, if people are, you know, trusting me with their art, I think it's inappropriate for me to me to my vision on them. It's just like, I'm here to capture your art. And if you like the way your art sounds, then it's my responsibility to make sure that your art translates. So it's like, I think it's inappropriate for me to be like, this is what you sound like now, but you should sound more like this. I'm going to put this tone on here and I'm going to mush you into my box mm. where it's just like it's it's it, to me it's it's i'm probably pretty guilty of that oh <laughs> I, I i live and die by it's like if this is what you sound like that's what you sound like and it's just like if your guitars are super fucking loud and the drums are in the background then that's what the record's gonna sound like because that's what you sound like as a band and then when the band hears it's like oh this sounds like us i'm like yeah exactly yeah. it's just like who am i to change who you are as a band it's like if that's the way you have created your art it is my responsibility to capture that art make sure it is in a in a, in a format that the listener can now perceive your art and absorb your art so it's like i that's am an just interesting little conundrum i really mm, is. it is it is crazy too, finding that you know, yeah. I, I mean the the fucking whatever the solving it is basically like if the band's great to begin with you don't have to make that right, right yeah like sure if they already again, if they know their stuff that, and yeah. they know what they want to do or whatever you know yeah. but yeah if you got somebody who like doesn't know what they're doing they're coming in and they're paying you to try to make something and you're like I don't think you got in over your head. I've dealt with that a few times. You yeah. Know, where it's like, I don't think you really understand what it actually takes. Like you are kind of not really ready to be making. The cool thing about you know? those situations though, is now you are the vehicle to educate them and yeah, lift them yeah, up yeah. to be like, Hey, this is how you can be excellent. Mm -hmm. Like I never looked at it as a, as a negative thing. I always looked at it as an opportunity. I'm really excited about like, you know, I've got this piece of gear. I don't know how to quite, you know, to dial it in. I'm like, well, to my ear, what if you try this? It's like, okay, this is sending me the right pass, and they fuck with it, and they're mm -hmm. like, this sounds really cool. You know, to me, like, that's more exciting to me. It was just like, you know, we have this idea, but we just need to fine-tune it, and it's like, they chose me because they trust me. So I'm like, okay, well, let's let's talk about it. What do you like about that sound? Or like, what do you like about this part? And let's let's harvest the good. We're like, right, yeah, I think yeah, so yeah. much of it is, is just like using it as an opportunity to to get people excited about their art, you know, or it's just like, oh, well, you know, head scratch. I'm like, head scratch is a fucking opportunity to be like, let's make you fucking great mm -hmm. and show you be like recording is already immensely intimidating because it's super vulnerable. We want to yeah. get you from head scratch to dick jerk. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's like when you focus on, I remember the, this, uh, this band I was working with from Lansing, and the guitar player's kind of looking at me. He's like, is that cool? I was like, no, that guitar tone fucking rips, dude. I was like, run that shit. He's like, really? I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then he goes, he's feeling good, fucking nails the fucking take. He's like, no, I want to do an overdub here. I'm like, he's like, what do you think about that tone? I was like, that tone fucks. Then the guitar player's excited, and then he moves forward, and then mm -hmm. it creates an energy and a feel and excitement. Yeah. 
And I think that's so crucial is like the last thing that I want to be is the person that fizzles the excitement of the oh, person creating sure. their yeah, art. You, you know, it's just like, all. I want to yeah. make them more excited. Cause mm-hmm. then like what happens is then I get returning clients where it's like, dude, next record, we're going to do this. I'm like, right, right, fuck right, yeah. Right. And then I'm excited yeah. and be like, okay, now that I've, especially like, um, like I'll take a band like funeral noise. I've done every single one of their records. And so we did the first record and I was like, okay, next record. I want to do this next record. We did that. I said, next record, I want to do this. Cause like, it's kind of like a girlfriend. You learn what makes them come, <laughs> you know? And it's just like, as you figure that out and you figure out, it's okay, I could do this better. And it's like, so next time we're going to do this. And so I always love it when I get abandoned for the first time. And then as soon as we wrap up the record, it's just like, okay, next record, we're going to do this. It's like, they're coming back. Yeah. Because then they're excited about the process like, for the next, next time. time. We want to use a strap on. You're like, hey, and I'm like, whoa, whoa. And, I say, and I go like this. I've always wanted to pick that. <laughs> it's like peg me, but like those are those are just like that to me is like that's one of my favorite parts. Was just like help me understand this piece of gear or like the other thing I love is when a band comes in. They're like. Uh, can you tell me everything you're doing while you're doing it? And then like someone who's like interested in the recording process. Oh like, yeah. I love that. It's oh, like, me too. This That's is how so I fun. do it. This is why I do it. You know, like I'm a big fan of, uh, of room mics on drums, guitar. Yeah. Um, and like, this is how I look at it. This is, you know, like why I choose this type of compressor. I love SSL compression on drums. That's my favorite. Um, you know, different things like that, you know, like walking through all those things. Like when I listen to this sound, like, you know, and, and like Dave Pensado says, like you hire the mix engineer for their taste. And I think that's completely accurate. It's like, if someone comes to do a record with me, they're, they're coming to me because of my taste. Yeah. You know? And so it's all taste at the end of the day. You know, so just answer this question, but like, do you guys prefer if a band comes in with like kind of a semi-formulated idea of all that shit or more of like a blank page and it's like, hey, we're going to do our thing, you do yours, free reign. Like, what do you like better? I like them both. Yeah, yeah. Like, I would just want them to know their material, really. And then we can dive into the... If they don't like a tone or something, we can work on that. That's what we're doing in the studio, you know. But like, yeah, I just want them to kind of at least like know within reason what it is they're actually gonna fucking play, (laughs) you know. And I'm I'm into improvising too, especially if they're great and they know like, oh, I'm gonna improv this solo when it comes to doing the solo. They know they're gonna do that or something. It's different than just like not knowing their songs you know like that 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 can be a time killer and that's where like i try my mind guys it's like hey we have this much time allocated yeah it's just like we got to make some decisions here and it's like and that's where i think like the financial thing can come help motivate people to think about stuff like like when i when i first did the american cheese um record they sent me a four year strong record they're like this is this is the formula so I binge listened to Four Years Strong. I can't remember what record it was. It was one that Kurt Ballou did and Brad Boltwright mastered. So I was like, okay. So I'm like, I've it's like I pulled the elements away from it. I'm like, the key things, the way that the the balance of drums and guitar was mixed. And so I was like, well, here here's something cool. I have a Kurt Ballou drum library library, excuse me. And I was like, and I've used Brad Boltwright for mastering a ton of times, so send it to him to master, and then you have the recipe for this. Record turned out great. And so like like something like that I think is helpful just just so I can get an idea of like where their tastes lie and like how loud do you want the kick in the mix? How loud do you want the snare in the mix? Mm-hmm. How loud do you want the guitars? Where do you want them to sit? Because 
you know, what my tastes are. And then that comes back to talking, listening to how the band talks about, oh man, I love the way that kick hits. Dog ear that for my mixing, keep that kick present. Do like a clicky kick, do like a more sedated kick. I tend to gravitate towards more natural sounding kick drums. Um, to where like a super clicky kick drum sometimes drives me fucking nuts. Yeah. And it's like, it depends on the clickiness. So it's like, depending on where it sits, I've come to find where it's just like, I like the clickiness upward of like 16 or 18 K to where it's just like you hear it, but it's not invasive. Like a, yeah. a kick drum around two or three K, you know, depends on the, well, obviously the style of music too. You that's, know, you know, that's, you know, yeah. you know, certain kinds of metal. They want that super clicky sure. kick drum and shit, you know, but finding that balance where it's just like, to me, like there's the, when, like when I'm listening to music in, in the, in the speakers, like there's, there's a wall in front of me and is the material penetrating that wall that's in front of me? It's just like, is everything glued together and feeling cohesive to where it's just like, is the clickiness penetrating, breaking that threshold of what's right. poking out? Yeah. Or is it sitting yeah. to where it sounds yeah. balanced? Poking out. That's what it's called. It's poking out. You know, that's, you say know, that's that about everything. That's, you know, that's a, that's a big thing. It's yeah. just like when a, a mix feels out of balance, it's like a, mm-hmm. a kick can be clicky, but it's just like, where does that fit in context to the rest of the music? Where does it sit next to the bass drum? Yeah. Like I'll find myself fine tuning the tone of the bass drum by soloing or the, the, like the bass guitar and bass soloing the kick drum and the bass guitar to make sure that they're cohesive. Because a lot of times I like to track drums, guitar, and then bass because bass, like we were talking about earlier is so crucial. The bass is what connects the guitar to the drums, yeah. be it timing and tonally to where it's like, the tone, like the the cut on a bass guitar is what's less appealing to our ear in the guitar, but is more appealing in the bass guitar. So like on bass guitar on the dirt, I'll favor an MD-421 because it's a 4K lift on that microphone. And 4K on bass guitar makes a nice grind sound. I haven't or tried those bass on guitar. Bass I just got a pair of those. They're, they're delightful microphones. Yeah. Um, and I've used them on heavy guitars and drums. They work, yeah, they work great on guitar too. Yeah. Um, and but like i'll try and favor microphones that are going to reinforce the frequency response that i'm looking for to where like you know like you know microphones to me are just are are just you know colors and you may start here which is like i need a different color here to match this tone or like how are the transits responding on chuggy guitar like is it snappy enough is it cutting through like i i favor small diaphragm condensers sometimes on guitar because the transients are snappier especially on more clean stuff that's going to be more poppy i use small yeah. diaphragm condensers on my own guitar just because the transients are faster i prefer small diaphragm condensers so even on like super heavy guitar absolutely yeah, yeah. Try that. i got a couple of really nice small diaphragm uh, condensers use them the yeah I, my favorite I use them on tons of shit but i don't know that i've really thrown them up on heavy guitar throw them on the outside like if this is the cone throw them on the outside um okay. and they're great my favorite like my my i SM57 is probably one of my least favorite microphones, um, but my SM57 yeah, is, is... But it looks rad as hell, if I'm is, not mistaken. Is a, is a, is a, a, FAT47 is my favorite microphone. That thing can be used on everything. I use it on bass, I use it on guitar, I use it on drums. That's my absolute favorite microphone. It's just like, you put that in front of anything, it sounds exactly like the source. And like that's the other thing, too, is like, you know, I have... 
several cabs like you know you have cabs like finding the right speaker that's going to reproduce the sound correctly and then matching the microphone that's going to represent the artist correctly it's like with heavy guitars it's all about the mid-range finding Mm -hmm. you know what speaker like at my mutt cab that has two swamp things uh a cream back and a v30 and it's like to marry those tones together like when i track heavy guitars i typically take four microphones and blend them down to one track and i'm i'm also fucking boss the wall commit i commit all day long i like that i like committing i'm, I'm way more about that nowadays yeah. than i ever used to be is it's like all right this is it let's go for it but yep four microphones into one that's a lot you ever run into phase issues and shit doing that it seems like you would be work it all out beforehand yeah so you listen you saw audition saw on the console pop phase in and out mm-hmm. and then when it's out of phase it sounds out of phase when it's yeah. in phase it's in phase so but you it also just spend comes, that time up front to, well to do also it. it comes into the fact where it's like if you line up all the diaphragms with the microphones to be the same distance from the speaker yeah. you will remove all those You're phase incoherencies from the get-go there anyway 100 yeah. percent. yeah i mean i use two microphones all the time you know sure like, yeah yeah four i'll try it out Ironically, another high school teacher we were talking about earlier has had great success with four and one. She's really made a Like when I did Bronson Harm, I had uh, 14 mics going on his guitar. <laughs> that feels like an awful lot of mics for somebody that knows nothing two, about it. Two man band. So I was just like, well, let's capture your guitar the way. So like I was fortunate enough to see that band play. I was just like, I want to capture the way I experience you live. I said the way you guys perform is very impactful. And the guitar player Blake, who is an outstanding mastering engineer, is uh he's just like and I was like, I'm gonna capture you the way that I picture you. So we bartered out, he's gonna master, I'm gonna do his record. And so I captured his guitar and he came back upstairs and he's just like, Oh, that sounds exactly like my guitar. I'm like bingo that, like, that's that's the key like he does nice. a hybrid rig where like he splits his he does a stereo split where he sends his neck pickup to the guitar and the bridge pickup to his bass cab and he splits them up so i was like well let's capture the way you do it and so i had like i think i had four on each cab two stereo rooms a far room a middle room and then one like it was i basically had all my channels on my board occupied but then when I distill them all down to one and that's like, you know, especially with like drums and stuff, it's like I measure all those things out and make sure everything is centered in the in in the image. Like when I'm doing overheads, measuring those out rooms and then toms, I'm 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 less finicky on. But like making sure that, you know, I'm fortunate enough to where like my tracking room is far enough away from my mixing room where I'm listening to the drums. I'm hearing the drums for what the microphones are. Yeah. I have no influence on what the drum sound is right. itself so I can hear it and I can make sure it's like, OK, my rooms are is is the image of the drums correct you know like in the stereos the snare centered is the kick i don't like it when something feels like it's pulling to the sides no especially kick and snare kick and snare yeah and then there's a little bit of you know finagling that that goes into place on those um but then you know those those phase incoherencies are also things that are appealing to our ear in the way that like that gives us that sense of 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 of, of feel in in space and like rooms on guitar. Like I spend no time. Like they're there running. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind I, of the point of them. You know. You yeah. Know? It's just like yeah. I, this if I was standing right here, what there would it, it is. sound like? You know, yeah. like just yeah. leave it alone. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. just don't think about it. And it's like I'll, I might put some saturation on it just to bring some body yeah. up in it, yeah. and then just feather them into place, and then. 
I'm a firm believer in like cohesive room tones to where I use one reverb for an entire record. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's it. Oh, okay. You know, and I have, you know, SSL makes the best sounding reverb I've ever heard in my entire life. The oh, flex like verb. Yep. I don't have to check that out. I need some better reverb. I got like maybe four or five and they're, they're good. They're fine. But like I was, flex verb, I was just thinking like, I really want to like get like a really fucking clutch reverb plug. I love the flex verb because it's the most organic sounding. Nice. One of the things I've used in the past is I have an outboard reverb unit and I'll pass it in on an insert. And then while the drums are playing, I will create the room sound to match the drums so while they're playing i will fine tune the sound of the reverb to make and i only influence the reverb on the room mics because cla said something that made the most sense to me is like you don't fucking reverb your direct mics he's like you make your room mics bigger i was like that makes so much sense to me Mm. so i only influence my reverb on room mics so you have your direct you have your direct mic sound which is the impact yeah and then you get all your decay on the snare tom symbols from your room mics yeah. and that's something i've been doing lately which you can see on my youtube where i do super in-depth mix videos where i will do i run a stereo pair of room mics and then i will do my processing and then i will send the pre-fader pre-effects room sound to the reverb so that you get that extended room sound without the influence of compressor and EQ shaping on the room mics. Because room mics, I will use either a de or low pass to take cymbals out, or depending on the artist, I may gate the rooms off the snare, where I'll side chain it off the snare so the room mics only open up on the snare so I get that decay. And um, then you get all of that energy that you would from a room mic but then you still get can influence the room mic sound to make sure that your toms are full kick is full because the kick sounds in my opinion so much more organic when you get that latency like if you look at the transients from a kick mic and the room mic there's you know let's say like yeah 30 milliseconds of you know delay between the two but that helps create depth and if you bring up super low sub frequencies on the room mics then that just makes that kick have so much more body and it helps glue that into the mix so much more I'll have to try some of that uh, just putting reverb on the I don't do a ton of reverb on drums anyway I feel like but uh, just fucking with the room mics only like 900 milliseconds of of decay time right but that's in a parallel it's not directly on them it's a send do you typically on drums just use a stereo pair of room mics yeah and then i might throw a mono far i've been well i've been doing sort of almost the opposite where my stereo pair and then doing a uh a single room mic in the center of the room on omni yep just kind of but like closer so it's like my regular stereo pair is kind of back where yep. you'd kind of normally would and it's almost just like halfway in between and kind of like almost like level with the fucking drummer or something yeah. so oh, just yeah. kind of and just like picking up the whole room and then like you can do whatever you want with that you can crush the shit out of it or keeps your or, mono image yeah, strong or yeah. turn it off if you don't want it but <laughs> you know no, it's I mean? great like, yeah. like those those <laughs> microphones are, are crucial for snare depth tom depth kick depth and you know that can interfere with if you want to get your stereo image on the tom panning and like like if 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 i favor that then i'll use that for depth more than i will detail mm-hmm. i'll keep the detail from the close mics and then like a close room mic like that i'll use and i will mirror the 
like let's say the grabbiness of the compressor to follow the energy of what the drummer's playing right so right. that with so that it pulses on so that we have the the decay on the snare like on roommate room mice it makes more sense to me to have the attack fast so that you get the impact from the direct mic so when the impact from the direct right mic is happening, the immediate compression is happening on the room mic, so that room mic is ducking temporarily, and then when that compressor releases, then you get all the tail of the snare. So you get, mm -hmm. right. you know, so then that pull, where modern room mics are wonderful. Yeah. So continue to do that, and then that's that's a huge way you can glue the image together and then distort the shit out of it. Yeah, that's basically it's kind of what it's there for. It's yeah. Like, oh, do I want to just add a bunch of fucking distortion or whatever to this yep. and put it up in there for some crazy shit or whatever? That's so, a great way yeah. to bring out snare details, snare buzziness. Like, I've come to the point where I use a, a distortion parallel where I feed in my snare bus, tom bus, and kick bus, and I balance it. And um, through Plugin Alliance, that came out with the Loop Trotter plugin, and I use the Loop Trotter, and I add a parallel distortion, which I blend in with the drums to, and that adds more detail from the snare, especially um, if the, snubber, the drummer does a lot of ghost notes. Um, I have a couple snares I have that I own that are very sensitive for like detail on the snare. So depending on what the drummer's bringing, I have a house kit that I keep now that's dialed in the way that I like the way it sounds. Yeah. And then, so like if they're doing a lot of detail, then I can harness that detail through having that parallel distortion because that favors the snariness, that sound of the snare, but then it also adds a little bit of snap to the kick and toms and I'll balance in how I send to that distortion plugin. But it's like, if you, I got YouTube videos that fucking dive into exactly how yeah, I do I didn't all know this you had shit. a bunch of shit on your fucking YouTube channel. Dude, it, I have four-hour mix. Time Machine? What's the YouTube Analog channel? Time Machine, yep. Okay, nice, And I've nice, got nice. fucking four-hour mix videos where I go through mixing a session from the ground up. I've got videos where this is how I tracked everything. This is some stuff I put on it. Like, I've got best noodles in town which is a record that's going to be released here pretty soon um i was really excited you know who josh schrader is no you know who lorna shore is i feel like i know that name he did their last record he mastered this last record and i was like i sent him an email i was like dude super pumped he did this record he's a guy i really admire his work sweet yeah. um and so he mastered their last their their record that that i just did i've got i think funeral noise on there i've got american cheese I've got a bunch of records where I do a deep dive tongue cutter, which is a really cool two-piece band. But, like, everything that I do is, like, broken down. How I captured it, how I'm processing it. Um, because, like, I remember, like, for myself, like, when I was working a corporate job, it's like, I just want to watch a, someone mix a song from beginning to end. And it's like, yeah. to get that, it's like you have to pay for their course. I was yeah, like, I don't want to yeah. fucking pay for your course. <laughs> so I was like, fuck it, I'm going to put some shit out there. It's like, you want right. to see, it's like, this is how I captured it. This is what everything sounds like raw. This is what it sounds like with all my processing on it. And then people can be like, oh, this is... Because I remember being like so confused when I first started tracking, being like, how are they ending up here? You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And like one of the biggest eye-openers for me is when I heard drum sample packs. I was like, I heard drum sample packs. And I was like... Oh, these drum samples don't actually sound that good. They sound good, but they're not perfect. But then, like, hearing the way that they capture the drum samples, like, okay, so I like the attack on this kick drum, so this is how I need to record it. And then uh, taking that and being right, like, this right, is right. the kick drum sound that I like, so now I need to either find a kick drum that size, tune my kick drum this way. So now, like, I have obsessively 
become obsessed like with reverse engineering tuning, yeah, yeah, tuning yeah, drums yeah, yeah. being like if i want this sound this is how i'm going to tune the drums because yeah. to me like drums sound the best when they all sing together when the snare hits the way the toms ring yeah. together mm-hmm. you know like all those pieces play together and so it's like i tend to take the biggest risks on tiny tree records where i'm always trying something crazy on our stuff because i'm like it's just our shit no one's paying a bill here experiment on you know yeah you know like so i did our last record totally live in the same room i was like i want to know how this is going to turn out you know it's it's like it's yet to be released but it's like to me it's the best sounding tiny tree record today i'm like this sounds like us there's no guitar overdubs right there's no bass overdubs it's us live in the same room tracked into the board over yeah. 16 yeah, channels awesome, you know? i think i saw some pictures of you yeah. Doing that shit. yeah but then that was like a good challenge for me to be like okay what is absolutely necessary and then focusing on making sure that each microphone was carrying its weight being like what's absolutely necessary right, you know yeah. and then that's that's you know like necessity is mother of invention where i remember doing a record with when i was recording the band arson for the first time the drummer had five times and i had 16 tracks on my snake that go to the basement so i'm like i have to be very picky about what i choose here because normally i'll throw like a couple wild microphones up like we might use this you know and then i was just like well i need this i need this i need this i need this and so i was like these are the staples and out of those staples basically shaped the next 15 records i did after that i was just like this is the fucking equation right. of what works and so i was like these are the necessities i can get this drum sound out of this because 99.9 percent of the time it's just like i track drums and i push the mix until the point where i'm like Ugh, i'm gonna have to pull a sample in it's usually a fucking kick drum. That's where I pull Some real Apollo out. 13 shit. We got a kit of nine parts here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got Square to figure it out. Hole, make it, yeah. You know, and it's like, so when they came back into this record this time, I was like, I know this works. We're going to try these things. And then this time, because we had more time set aside, I was real picky about drum tuning. I was like, okay, we have the time this time. Where last time we were on a stripped down budget and time. So it's just like, I'd listen to the drums room, like that'll work. But now I'm like, mm, we got to tune the snare yeah, differently. Yeah. Now we got to tune this time a little bit differently. You know, mm. it's like, because I spent the time, you know, tuning drums for so long where it's just like, this I know will yield a result that is delightful. So like pushing myself to make sure that the source is what we need because the source is right then the final product will be right, right. yeah and then that's yeah. like that's what it really gets me excited yeah me too well that i've always like been about that too is like trying to like i know some producers and stuff that kind of jump to like eq like in the box like they just kind of throw a mic up and then we'll like kind of go right into the eq and stuff and i'm like no 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 no, no. stop I don't. I don't want to even talk about EQ and and shit until like. Yeah. Let's look at what we got the source here, and let's look at the mic, and let's like. Yeah. Let's look at all that first, like. Yeah. You know, if you do all that right, you know, like of course you're gonna use EQs and stuff, but like, I don't know, and that to me is also the fun of it. 
Oh too, yeah, you know. Yeah. And I get it when you got like you know two minutes to make something and get. Some, but like, well, I was like, oh, don't don't jump to the EQ and stuff yet. Let's fucking. Uh, oh let's yeah. Let's work the mics here first. You know? Yeah. Like and that kind of shit. So. Oh, that's that's key. Like I remember, like like this last you know two weekends ago when we were doing when I was doing Arson's record, like I was getting Dave's guitar and he's like he has cabs set up downstairs and I came back upstairs. I'm like I have my standby mic placement where I was like I know this works. I came back upstairs and I'm like. Sounds great here, sounds great here, doesn't sound great here. So I'm like, okay. So then I start auditioning different mics in the place and then different mic positions, trying different speakers, seeing which speakers hit the right spots. Then it came to we subbed out a different cab. Then finally I was like, okay, now your chugs are full, your 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 trems are full, this is good. And then he's just like, let me see how the clean sounds. Clean sounds like trash. So I was like, yeah. okay, dirt sounds good here. We're going to re-mic for cleans. Yeah. But it's exactly that because it's like the microphone is an equalizer in itself. Yeah. You know, exactly. and it's like yeah. you, then you know in your brain. It's like when I look at a microphone, I, I don't look at the microphone. I look at the frequency response on that microphone. I was like, mm. this is the response that this microphone is going to give me. You know, like my DS35s are one of my favorite microphones. I was like, this microphone is my favorite snare mic in the world. Super hi-fi sounding, nice mid-dip, makes the snare super detailed. But then I can bring the mid-range attack up through the overheads. I fucking love that microphone on snare. <laughs> Which microphone is that? What is it? Electro Voice DS35. Okay, cool. It's a vocal mic from the 80s. Yeah. It's fuck, I have two of them. They're I do great. like some Electro Voice stuff. They're so fucking cool. I got cool. these weird, I'll show them to you after these weird old Electro, I don't even know what the fuck they are. Yeah. But you'll, you'll, they're from the 70s, I think. They're cool. Fucking weird silver handheld. Uh, but we've used them on toms they've gone yeah. on horns <laughs> dude it's so cool shit. and it's yeah. just like that it's just it's just another color it's yeah. a color yeah. it's just like every microphone i don't is a look color. at frequency response on fucking anything i'm the opposite to me it's all just like kind of like ear or just like i don't know just kind of knowing what they do but i like never look at the fucking frequency response on the box or the yeah i kind of just don't give a shit it's me it's like let's throw it up <laughs> what's this sound like okay you know and then you just yeah. kind of learning them as you go you know what sure. your likes do or whatever yeah but you're way more technical than i am I'm but that's just more... the way i'm wired yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm a super technical and i'm wired guy. the other way i'm just like ah, i don't give a shit what the technical thing says let's kind of just see yeah. what happens here and you know. For my brain, like the way I function is like I need to know how something works from the ground up to understand it completely. Yeah. To where like it's same thing with like, um, you know, I'll typically start favoring. I have six or eight preamps that are transformer coupled, and if the transients aren't translating correctly, then I'll shift to a straight solid state coupled uh, mic pre. Like I overheads, I do not like transformer coupled. That's one yeah. thing I've learned. Um, toms, yes. Snare, yes. Kick, yes. Yeah. Um, and then there's just like, you know, there's also like, you know, when you understand the the function of a transformer is like when you get that magnetic flux that saturates the core, then the way that you get the harmonic shift and phase shift and frequency response across a transformer, it's like, that's all the shit that's just like yeah. in my yeah. brain where I'm just and like, I, I have none of that. <laughs> but then you're just like, so like when I think about it, it's just like, okay, the high end isn't right there. And I'm just like, needs to be this. Do you know who the producer Joe Barisi is? Oh, I fucking I'm love sure, Joe. Yeah. I'm like, you and Joe Barisi need to just sit down and talk for, I mean, who wouldn't love to talk to that guy forever? I he's, he's very much in that, that same way with the yeah. way he makes pickups and everything he's into. So. There's a, a, a interview he did with Warren Hewitt that I have yeah. watched many a times. Yeah, he's great. I love that. I fucking, uh, 
Didn't really. I can't say I met him. I gave Warren the fist bump at the NAMM show. We, <laughs> oh, we, really? We passed each other in the, no in the thing. No shit. Produce like a pro. Just gave him the gave him the old fist bumps. <laughs> Dude, I feel like watching his videos. Like, so they're wa- so good, man. Watching his interviews like took me to the next level. Yeah. As a, as like an engineer, because like the thing that I learned was just like a pr- an engineer would be like, yeah, I really like this on this, and I'll be like, okay, and then be like, ah, I use this on this. And I'm like. Okay, and then it's like dog ear and all this. So I was like, okay, mm-hmm. so he favors these pieces of equipment. Yeah, and then like then me when I'm watching this video, I'm fucking googling it, looking up the schematics. Yeah, watching yeah. all that stuff. Me, like, okay, why? What? What is the? I look up the gear and see how much it costs. <laughs> I do, I'll get on Reverb and see. Like, should I should I go buy this? I've done that too. But yeah. then it's just like, okay, like what is what is the ultimate result from like like what what is it about that thing that makes that? Because then like. My decisions coming up to that basically, like, okay, so he uses 1176 here. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. why 1176? And it's like, 1176, I love and I hate that compressor at the same time. Me too, man. Me too. Yeah. I, I Sometimes I can't get along with it. Yeah. I don't know. And like yeah. some guys like swear by it and like, I love a fucking LA 2 way because they're so stupid simple and they're just, I don't know. Yeah. I just kind of dig that sound. But uh, yeah. And fucking, uh, I've been using the plug-in versions of the fucking distressor, and I'm like, I gotta get a real one, dude. I the distressor, one, dude. It's when Plugin Alliance came out with the the key of one, so good, dude. And I it's just on, like it's on everything, dude. I just put it on the kick drum, and I was just like, oh. Well, the bonus in that fucking thing too is they have the fucking the what's the company that makes it? They have the real one. UAD. No, no, the fucking company that makes an actual distressor. Oh, um empirical thank you yeah well they it, anyway in the plug-in they have their fucking saturator and warmth thing or whatever like he did plug-in. that yeah that's what, I'm, that's what i'm saying yeah no, that it's it's not actually in the but i think it's a empirical labs unit but yeah. i think they just added it in that plug-in those are so <laughs> useful it, dude it's so good. It's like the best saturation, just like simple, not over the top, just yeah. a little bit. Dude, just a I'm, little bit. I'm using that fucking thing everywhere. Probably too much. You know what I mean? Dude, like, I I'm know. just like, distressor. <laughs> it sounds great. It does. It's, it fucking owns. Like, I it was sounds like, great on everything. When I, it's like, so just case, so I do the Plugin Alliance, mix yeah, a master bump. That's what I got it too. God damn it. <laughs> Addison, you're too goddamn tall. And so, what's the second time Dr. Yeti It's going Van Damme on this fucking table but when they released i was like well i gotta try it out and so i was like so i just flopped it on kick drum whatever the default setting was like oh that's the that's the sound i've been chasing yeah and so like now i like i'm the same bone like i want to get a real one (laughs) like when i first like i have a dbx 160 like i fucking love that compressor on snare and kick i wish i yeah i've been thinking about getting some fucking dbx shit you know they're the 160s fucking titties Mm. and so now it's like i've gotten to the point where it's like i commit less when I'm tracking sometimes, but then I'll just use like, I'll just patch them in digitally. I'll use like, I have yeah. like, I use Reaper. So I use reinsert okay. and then so I can patch in like outboard stuff. Like I have my outboard like vocal chain, which goes, I bought the bluey 1176, mm-hmm. which like when I first heard that, cause I have the warm U47 clone. Yeah. But when I heard, I bought that microphone cause I've been trying to find the microphone that works for my voice. Mm. And then, um, I got that microphone. I was just like, Oh, there it is. And then when I heard the U47 for the first time, I was like, that's a very familiar tone. And then when I got the bluey 
And then, because it has an import in, input and output transformer, and when I would set the gain on it on the insert from my console, then I was like, this is a sound that I've heard a thousand fucking times uh, on all yeah. the records. It's just yeah. so familiar to where, like, then, like, having the hardware unit, like, made me understand the plug-in so much better. Yeah, it, the hardware stuff is, I mean, if you can get it every time i'm you know i would say hardware every time like so the only great. reason and i've had another like excellent producer tell me this he's like the only reason i would use a plug-in is if i don't have the real thing yeah. but i have the real thing so you know yeah. he had the real thing so he's yeah. like i'm gonna use the real thing he's yeah like, there's no other reason you know so yep. and i'm like Again, yeah you don't fuck yeah. a woman with a dildo and you got a functioning penis right there <laughs> like, yeah. at the end of the day you know it's like when i finally learned what a 25 20 op amp sounded like you know, it's like, so I've got those in my master bus. So I was like, okay, this is why I like API. Like if yeah, I were to buy a console, yeah. it'd be an API because yeah. I love the API sound. I've got yeah. an API master bus that I built into my console nice, nice. and I'm like, okay, I love the way that sounds like with plugin Alliance, they have the buses. Like if I need a guitar just to cut, just to pinch more, I'll just strap an API bus on just to get the 2520 mm-hmm. op amp sound. Boom. Right out of the gate. And then like, when I was doing best noodles, I was struggling to get his vocals creamy and I was trying every fucking plug. And I was like, let me try this one. Let me try this. Let me try this. I was like, fuck it. I need to patch some outboard gear in. Cause sometimes I'll even patch in a channel strip and just run it through the channel strip and then send it back into the thing yeah. just to get that sound of yeah. it. If I had more gear, that's almost the way I like would want to like mix is like just the fuck. hybrid style. Yeah. Yeah. The I've only thing so that many sucks guys doing that and it just appeals to me. Like it makes sense when it's me. like, depends how busy i am with records because sometimes i'll be like i'll have like this spring i had like at one point i had four records i was mixing at the same time towards just like having to do recall recall is so like when i would do mixes on my console set everything at unity and do all my automation in the box and then just use the console for Mm. color so we're like now i have so like when i finished noodles i did 1176 cascading into my dbx 160 cascading into my rocktron 320 as my vocal compressor chain and like Mm. the coloring of those circuits soften the high end in a way that it's like it smoothed it out to where I wasn't able to achieve that in the box with plugins. And then like the bass guitar, the B, the BBE is the fucking the shit for bass guitar. Um, I, I still have one in my rack that I use and like nine times out of 10, my favorite is low contour process all the way up and then just feather that into place. And then I have a, um, a Volumax, which is an old AM radio broadcast limiter. That thing is fucking titties for um, if a, let's say a vocal mic, I just need to soften the high end to touch. I'll just patch that in. I may not even use the compression on it. Just patch it in because the circuitry will just soften the high end just enough to smooth it mm-hmm. out. Um, I'll use it on bass because it's just, it's very like it'll smooth like an LA two way. And that's how mm-hmm. that Rocktron 320 is as compression and it has EQ and it's actually a guitar compressor for like when guitar players are using them in their racks. But if you put it on level mode, it's like compress. Uh huh. So it's yeah. real, it's real yeah. slow. So I use that as the final. So it's like, I get the fastness from the 1176 into the DBX. So like whatever the 76 doesn't catch, then the DBX will catch it. And then any remaining goes into that Rocktron and it just levels it out to where I can just push that vocal right up to the front yeah. and have it sit really smooth mm. without much, like, you know, art, you know, like you get that weird artifact decay with yeah. the releases on compressors. I was like, oh, this is really cool. So now I've just got to the point where I'm like, 
I'm probably just going to use these as my fucking vocal chain for a while. I just came on this a month ago and I'm like, this is probably just going to stay patched in yeah, this yeah. configuration for a while. I'm really struggling with whether Rock Chan is aptly named or just the most lazily named thing I've ever heard for anything. <laughs> That's classic ever. gear. It might, yeah. be, it might be the most amazing thing <laughs> I've ever heard. I'm not sure. It's either awesome or terrible and I can't yeah. decipher which. It's like what's funny is the like Rock Chan 3000. Hey! Pretty much. Pretty much. Yep. Dude, I have, I've had so much gear sitting in my rack that I've just been collecting dust. I was like, I don't fucking use this shit. I was like, maybe I should start using this more. And so I consolidated a bunch of stuff down. Then I was doing this noodles record. I'm like, I'm not fucking getting anything out of my plugins. It's, it wasn't cutting the mustard. Isn't for it me. weird too how like some gear that you like write off that you're like, ah, this thing stinks, or whatever. You can come back to it like three years later yeah. and be like, oh, this thing fucking rules. Like, That's what exactly was that? Exactly what thinking, happened to me. Know? Yeah, yeah. I've done that a lot with microphones. Like, yeah, ah, this thing. I'm just not getting along with this mic, and it'll sit there and sit there, and then I'll fucking break it back out on something and be like. I was just fucking crazy. I don't know. Yeah. Know? <laughs> Dude, yeah. I go through that. That's how mm. I was with those compressors. I hadn't patched that Rocktron 320 in yeah. in probably four years. Yeah. And I patched it. And I was like, yeah. yeah this it, thing kind of rules. It's yeah. like, because back in the day, mm. I like when I didn't have what I was looking for, I, I used that. And yeah. I was like, it did the trick. And so I was just like, well, why did I stop using it? That's, I've tried to, you know, I've sold a ton of gear. And like, I've tried to like, if I can to not and like hang on to it in case. Yeah. You know, Some mics might be terrible for a long time and then good thereafter, like Tyson. It depends on <laughs> the source. It's funny how like depending on the source is like what will like make me fall in love with it because it'll be like this was great for this and I pull it up on the next band I'm yeah. tracking I was like this is not uh -huh. doing it at all yeah, yeah, yeah. like the next thing I want to get is I want to get an actual pull tech EQ because I, I that's oh, yeah, uh, dude. you know that's because I'm mm -hmm. like I like the I like the curves on the pull tech for uh, mm -hmm. kick and vocal yeah it's so money yeah so eventually after you know we just built this kind of spot so i'm kind of don't have any money for gear right now yep. but, uh you know in the next coming years it's going to be some more like actual outboard gear so yeah more compressors a couple eqs a few things like that you know i'm fucking dialed in with my mic pre's that was the big thing was i'm yeah. going fucking high-end mic pre's starting there you know crucial mics i crucial. mean yeah you know High-end mics, high-end mic pre's, high-end converters. If you got that, you're, yep. you know. Yeah, what are you using for converters? Uh, I got the Apogee Rosetta stuff, which oh, is sick. pretty old now, but it still fucking owns and gets the job done. And yep. Price is right on it. And, it's crucial, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. crazy, like, yeah. having good converters. Like, it was, that's, I remember. That's the best thing that I've done if building my own studio ever yeah. was, because I, I had great mics and I had great pre's. It was just, like, less of them. And, yeah. And uh, when I switched to real converters, Converters, it was like taking a fucking blanket off the speakers dude, or something, dude. Yeah. I'm like, and it makes total sense. And like, because it's the literally the thing that turns it into the fucking sound that you're yeah. hearing. And I mean, yeah, kind of <laughs> is crucial, but like, yeah. you know, a lot. Of, and converters have come a long way. They're way more high quality now and cheaper pieces of gear and shit. Than, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. So, you know, at that time, it was like I was just using because I used to do most of my stuff in Muskegon with my brother. He had the way more higher end shit. I was and I just kind of had my own little one room little thing going on, you yeah. know. But like tracking through the fucking 
what would you even call it? Like it's like an interface built into the thing. Oh, with the, the mic pre built yeah, in. Yeah, yep. an all-in-one little desktop, yep. whatever the fuck yeah. thing, you know. And like, and like, it sounds okay. And then like, but when you start stacking shit up, it just gets like a smear. Yep. It's just a fucking smear. And I can tell you exactly you know? why. Yeah, Consu- I bet you can't. <laughs> Consumer grade op amps. Yeah. The yeah. Texas Instruments TL072. Once you hear the sound of the op amp, when you take it out of the circuit and you put a, a higher performing op amp in, and when you hear the difference, you're like, that's the, like, mm-hmm. everything that we hear uses that op amp. My console was filled with them. My interface, because I was using the Focusrite 18i20, yeah. it uses those op amps. Yep. When you hear that op amp, and then you use, because like I saw yourself using, the, a lot of that stuff has discrete op amps in it. Mm-hmm. Once you get away from that op amp, then you hear the music and you yeah. get good. And like, same thing with converters. When you get higher end converters, they're not using consumer grade op amps. Yeah, they're right, using right. higher performing op amps so yeah. that what's coupling the material to the actual conversion, because conversion is like, if you want to get really nerdy, it's you have an input buffer with variable gain that's digitally controlled, which is probably a that corporation op amp. And then that goes into your converter and your converter is just creating ones and zeros out mm-hmm. of the, you know, analog input. So yeah. there, and then if there's capacitors that are coupling for, to block DC, then that's what influences the sound of your thing. Like when you get higher grade converters, they're using higher performing op amps. They're using better capacitors tonally to couple the sound, which create better performance. Like in my console, when I got those new converters, I remember my wife came in. I was like, pick a song off Spotify to play. She's like, I don't know, Taylor Swift. Play Taylor Swift. She's like, wow, that sounds really fucking clear. Mm-hmm. And so when I was mixing in the box, monitoring off my antelope, I was like, this sounds fucking great. And I brought it through my console. It sounded muddy. So I went through. I looked at the DC offset coming off my op amps. I was like, this is low enough since I've upgraded. I'm going to fucking bypass all the capacitors in my signal line. So now I have completely DC coupled channel strips. And all of a sudden, I was just like, all that mud went away by 86 and all those capacitors by having just straight wire DC coupled. That's amazing that you know how to do that kind of shit. To me, to me, I'm just like, no, I just got to buy better gear. <laughs> you know, like, but like, it, to, to, you know, to that point where it's just like, there's a reason why you like the, that's the reason why that better gear is there. Right, it's like when right, you use right. like, you know, like you have, you have those two API preamps in there using the 2520. They have these transformers. They're transformer coupled. They're not capacitor coupled. So it's like you're using that transformer to 86 the DC out of the signal. So your AC is transferring through there. That's why it sounds better. A 2520 op amp sounds better than a, you know, it's a discrete component versus an integrated circuit. They sound better. They sound bigger. Like you plug into that, the microphone sounds that much bigger right? because the op amp is performing at uh-huh. that. And then that you have sense. your voltage rails, which dictate how loud you can amplify the signal before the signal starts getting cramped or or, or cutting off so when you have higher voltage rails like i had a console where the rails were plus and minus 16. now my tac console is plus and minus 18. just that minor change same op amps 
already an improvement in tone because we have higher rails so that signal is able to stay intact without breaking up oh, as quickly because it's okay. not clipping because so you can only amplify a signal as loud as the voltage rails are so if you have a plus and minus 16 you can only amplify a signal this much if you have a plus and minus 18 you can amplify it that much more by keeping the signal integrity so when you get into rails like i think neve runs a plus and minus 24 so their voltage rails are higher so you can have higher bandwidth in the signal amplification. Interesting. So you can only Damn. amplify a signal as high as the voltage rail is. Damn. Well, fuck, man. We've been at it for like three hours. <laughs> it's been that long. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is I, why I tell people when I start I, talking about well, gears, like, just tell me to shut up. You're worse than <laughs> I am because I always say to people, like, I'll talk to you about microphones as long as you will let me. Like, you know, so and you definitely got that even more. You got a way more technical knowledge about shit than I do. It's fucking crazy. But uh, yeah, man. So fucking uh, real quick before we go, though, we did the little just a quick little video about your pedal. Yeah. Talk about the pedal real quick and uh, where people can get it and shit. Yeah. So clarity, like to me, that pedal was just like that's it was an accident. And when I played through, I was like, this sounds like my fucking guitar. I love it. It breaks up nice. The, the pedal is built like a tube amp. It's got three gain stages that roll into each other, so it's very dynamic. If you play quiet, it's quiet. You hit hard, it breaks up hard. Um, it's voiced. Um, it's very neutral. It doesn't change the tone of your guitar in the sense where it just tightens the low end, yeah. leaves the high end wide open. Yep. Um, I don't have any tone shaping inside the circuitry outside of that, just a low, you know, just a low cut, and then just wide open up to 159 kilohertz which is the top end cutoff frequency um but yeah it's a it's a dynamic overdrive because exactly right, that right. analog time machine.net yeah i've got videos on my youtube analog time machine instagram analog time machine tiktok analog time machine <laughs> it's all there come find me listen to shit i got mixed videos on there fuck um, yeah yeah yeah, man. Appreciate tiny you coming tree, on, dude. God damn it. Tiny, tiny tree, tree dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. New record, probably out in the spring. Hell yeah. All right. So we'll keep an eye out when well when that hits. So you guys come back. Okay. We'll fucking come on. We'll talk about the record. We'll play a couple songs and shit. That'll be tight. Yeah. I love that. Sure. Sweet. Sweet. All right, man. It was fucking great meeting you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. All right. Peace out, y'all. Bye. Peace. Bye.